what's up, guys? On this week's episode of My Take Radio, episode 224, there is unfortunately no video this week due to an issue with the video streaming that we had with our friends at GFQ. Nonetheless, you have a full audio version of the show ready to be listened to, and our guest this week will be independent wrestler Danny DeMonto. MTR episode 224 starts right now. The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 224 for Thursday, April 17th, 2014. I'm your host, Rich, and our caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number is 347-324-3541. As you can see, it is not 11 o'clock. It is 1130. You're probably asking yourself, what the hell is going on? Well, what ended up happening is we decided to... um. I did a call earlier today with uh, Andrew over at GFQ, and um, turns out that what was happening is we were having some audio issues, and we decided to uh, work out some stuff with a sound card that we were experiencing, and um, yeah, it was it was a true pain in the ass. These guys are telling me that there's no uh, there's no audio on the. On the video feed is what I'm hearing. Hold on a second. Let's try this. Maybe this will work better for those of you that that don't hear me. Uh, maybe that'll work out. Anyway, as I was saying, um, we were experiencing some issues with the on the you know with with a sound card and with a whole bunch of other stuff. And what ended up happening was we ended up going with um, a brand new sound card and some brand new toys that we were working on. So I went this afternoon, I bought a new sound card, which I threw in the machine. And um, what ended up happening was the machine, it wasn't a one, two, three affair, so to speak. What ended up happening was I popped it in and, you know, you got to download drivers when you buy all this shit. You guys know the deal. You guys know how it works when dealing with hardware stuff. But in any event, hopefully that'll eliminate any audio issues. For those of you that are in the chat, I see Mortis is in there. Uh, Suncast, Slick, uh, just wanted to ask how the audio sounds, if you guys hear any background noise or anything, because like I said, we got some new toys, uh, we got a fan going back here because it's a little warm, 
and I got like three LED lights giving me light, so I look uh, not totally out of place. But in any event, let me know how the sound is, and we can uh, build off of it and hopefully work it out over the weekend. Anyway, let's get into tonight's topics. We got a lot to discuss. We got to discuss the finale of the Ultimate Fighter Nations. We are also going to get into this week's MMA news. On the wrestling side of things, we're going to be joined by uh, independent wrestler and one of the one of the best indie heels that I've seen. Uh, Danny DeMonto will be joining us. He should be calling in around 1145 or so. And we're going to talk about his career in the independent scene and some of the people he's worked with. Just get to know him a little bit. I've mentioned him on air a couple of times, just talking about all the different things that, uh, you know, all the different independent talents that are out there that people may not know about that really are extremely underrated. Uh, Danny's definitely one of them. Like I said, I put him up there with Pinky Sanchez and a bunch of other guys that I've seen on the independents, uh, courtesy of House of Glory and just other promotions as well. But, you know, Danny, Danny's a local guy. It definitely wanted to get him on board. And like I said, he is, he is an awesome heel. I shared some of the stuff that he does with you guys, uh, earlier. Um, you know, you guys can check it out on the fan page. So he'll be joining us around 1145 or so. I'm going to text him to, to call in just because we've been playing a lot of phone tag. Thank you, Mortis. Mortis is saying that the audio is good. Thank you, Slick. Um, as I was saying, uh, Danny's going to be joining us. We're going to talk about Monday Night Raw, and we're also going to in- get into some wrestling news, uh, the gaming news for the week, including some MPD numbers. Hopefully, I can I can pull them up because I've been having issues getting them from a good source. Everybody's numbers have been a little skewed. Also, I want to talk a little bit about the entertainment news of the week. But before we get into that, I did want to talk about uh, you know a little bit of an opening monologue this week. I have a feeling that the MMA segment is going to take a back seat because it's 11:40, but Either way, um, for the last couple of weeks, I, for those of you that are friends with me on Xbox Live, I've been dealing with a bunch of crazy, crazy issues with Microsoft, and I got to kind of put them on blast a little bit, so I figured once I got it resolved, I'd save the story for this week's show. So I started playing, uh, they were giving one of the free games on gold a couple of weeks back, and um, I decided late one night, I'm like, oh, let me start playing this game. So I played the game for a couple of hours. And um, I'm trying to remember the title. It's um, it's kind of like GTA. What the hell is it? Slick knows what I'm talking about. It's kind of like GTA, but it takes place in China. <sighs> the title escapes me. Anyway, I got the game free through Xbox Live. I played it for about Sleeping Dogs. Thank you, Slick. Um, this is this is why Slick is the man. I I played through for I'd like to say four or five hours from like two a.m. to like six a.m. And what ended up happening was I shut off my console went to work, whatever, came home, said, oh, let me play a couple of a couple of hours more. I turned on my Xbox and none of my apps would load. What ended up happening was the apps would say, oh, you need a gold account to use uh, your Xbox. And I'm like, that's a little weird because I pay for gold every month. So I'm messing around, messing around, messing around. What ends up happening is I hit up Xbox on Twitter, which I got to give credit where credit is due. Their Twitter support is awesome. And then I did an online chat with Microsoft. So needless to say, I did Twitter support, a chat, and we'd been back and forth for the last cut for the last two weeks. I'd like to say to get my matter resolved. They had no idea why my account is paid for in gold, but it wasn't taking on the system. So what ended up happening was they sent me a one month free code. I put the code in and the code didn't work either. So none of that worked. Finally, I called the guy at Microsoft. And the guy said, 
um, you know, I'm going to just credit you back your, your month of April and we'll take, we'll start fresh. So he gave me a couple of instructions, which I tried, none of which worked. So I said, you know what? Let me just go on xbox.com and rebuy my subscription. And sure as shit, I read, I redialed my subscription. I, um, I repurchased my subscription and it actually worked. Can you believe that? Microsoft didn't fix it. I'm actually texting Danny. Don't, don't mind my ADD in full effect. Um, not only did they not fix it, but the fix ended up being me just buying the month over. But for, for all the, for all the shit that, that I experienced dealing with them, like I said, I got emails every day from different reps. What ended up happening was a lot. There were too many hands in the cookie jar. Every couple of days, I'd get an email from a different rep. Uh, one day it was a guy named TJ. Another day it was a guy named Roderick. Another day it was a girl named uh, Samantha. Another day it was somebody else. And and what ha- what was happening was I was responding to all these people and nobody was putting notes in the account. So when I ended up calling Microsoft, I forwarded the guy all all my emails and all my stuff, and he noted the account. So when they emailed me for a follow-up today, they were like, oh yeah, you know, we see that you got your gold account back, back and it's active. And we wanted to tell you that, you know, it's great working with you and blah, blah, blah. And I had to email them and be like, listen, you guys didn't really do shit because, you know, I ended up just buying the month over myself. So if you ever run into this situation where you're mysteriously no longer an Xbox Live gold member and you're paid you know, call them up, have them cancel the payment and then just rebuy your subscription because that that's really all it took to fix it. And I was I was a little pissed off because, like I said, I wasn't able to use Netflix or Hulu or any of the apps that that I have. I couldn't use the WWE network on there. So, you know, my PS3 ended up getting a little bit more work uh, this week. Plus, I was frustrated because I wanted to buy an Xbox, an Xbox one because Best Buy has it for four forty nine with Titanfall. So you get an Xbox One with Titanfall for 449 plus I really want to play Killer Instinct. So you're basically getting a system and two games for 449 You know, in essence, Titanfall is free, but I said I'm not going to buy a new system if I can't even play, you know, I can't play any games on Xbox Live. So it was just a huge, huge pain in the ass uh, these last couple of weeks, and I figured I would share that with you guys. So uh, if you'll bear with me one second... um. I'm going to just tell Danny he can call and we can get the interview rolling. Uh, we are definitely not going to go four hours this week. I know a lot of you guys were messaging me and hitting me up on Twitter. And I got a couple of emails first. Uh, a couple of people were very, um, uh, they were, they were happy to hear the, uh, the ultimate warrior get so much respect on air. And a lot of the guys sharing a lot of great moments. They were really, really happy with that. Um, one guy said that he actually heard the show over the course of half an hour a day and he really liked you know he liked it he felt that the four hours you know it's not something we should do on the regular but you know it was fitting for the subject matter that was on hand so you know these are the these are the kind of things that were kind of cool to see um a couple of guys shout out to javon lewis uh on twitter who is a longtime listener they they really enjoyed the show and of course i gotta toss it out to our listeners who contributed last week and our staff who were on point last week with uh, a huge four-hour show and all the people that stuck through for a show that went well into, you know, the 2 a.m. hour. But either way, as I was saying, you know, the uh, the Xbox situation, huge pain in the ass. Hopefully, um, 
will get it resolved sooner rather than later. I think that Danny is actually on the line. So uh, once Slick gives me the go-ahead, we will be ready to rock and roll, and I can bring Danny in, and we can uh, get this interview started. So um, as I was saying, if you want to follow Danny DeMonto, he's on Twitter, at Danny DeMonto, D-E-M-A-N-T-O, and he's also on Instagram, and I will share all those links later on in the show notes. He's actually wrestling this weekend. If you're in New Jersey, he's going to be facing Tommy Dreamer um, with Jersey Championship Wrestling, so that's actually going to be uh, match de- worth checking out if you're in Jersey. I'll make sure to share the address and all the details with you guys uh, in the show notes, and I'll also make sure to post it on our Facebook fan page. Uh, Slick is telling me that Danny is on line one, so let me bring him in. Danny, what's going on, dude? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, thanks for taking the time for it to call in minus our uh, technical issues this week. Uh, no problem, no problem at all. I'm a night owl myself, so. I'm good. There you go. Yeah, I figured I figured it would be a great time. A lot of people have been kind of hyped to to hear what you have to say. I know a lot of our listeners, one of our own writers is uh, is a big fan of your work and I myself wanted to get you on board just because, you know, I've seen you work at House of Glory. I've seen you uh work at the Elks Lodge and Queens Boulevard, so, you know, you you made a fan out of me. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. So, uh, did you guys watch the Legend House tonight? I did not. I actually had, you know, some some hardware issues, so I couldn't get into it. I know a couple of the guys in the in the chat did get to check out Legends House. I've been hearing some some funny things. Did you get to watch it? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely good. But I, I wish the Iron Sheik was on it. Oh, I'd give anything. I'd give anything for it to be yeah. Hogan, Sheik, and and you know, rest his soul, Warrior would have been awesome in one house. The three of them. Oh yeah. It, they they would have probably they, they put they, they didn't put anybody in there that's like really crazy except for Roddy Piper. Yeah, I think well what they're saying is and and this is all a rumor that the if it's successful the second season they want to put Hogan in there. But if you got to put Hogan in there, you got to put like you got to put the Sheik in there. Yeah, maybe Sheik. Uh, I mean, Sheik probably can't really uh, physically do it though. Like he he needs uh, care twenty four hours a day and stuff. He's in bad shape. But Hogan will just get all of his friends in there, like Brutus. Brutus the barber, because you know that guy. Wherever Hogan is, Brutus is. Yeah, still to this day, though. I know he's a he's a ride or die dude. I got to give him credit where credit is due. He's a he's a constant soldier. (laughs) Well, Nobbs is too, man. All all those those terrible episodes of Hogan's no Hogan knows best that he was on. I I watched every episode though. You know what it was? It got. I, I, I watch everything, obviously. Nah, it's all good, man. It got it, it, when it got to like the daughter kind of running on her own after he got divorced. It just it just spiraled into like just crazy town. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, it was, it was hell. It was hell. So I love that type of stuff. Well, you know it, it, the 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 wrestling side of things, especially for fans, we we eat all that stuff up. You know that's that's why the the, the network has been doing so well. Oh, the, the network's great. Yeah, I, I can't say anything bad about it. You know, it's 24-hour streaming wrestling, and, I mean, you have that complete library at 10 bucks a month. Yeah, I only wish the I UFC mean, took their the cues from them because the UFC dropped the ball with theirs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah it was bad. It was bad. I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. So let me, let me get so, into uh, Do you guys have anybody in the chat room with any good questions? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna like uh, 
passing me how I got into wrestling and all that fun stuff. Well, I mean, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go through most. I'm gonna go through most of that, and then I got a couple guys in the chat, so I'm sure they're gonna throw some in there. But you know, you you beat me to the punch. So for those of you that don't know, for those listeners that don't know you, how did you get into wrestling? What what got the ball rolling for you? Um. Well, I, I was going to my local ECW shows, and you know, I, I would get flyers to go to these indie shows at the ECW shows, and uh, you know, I, I eventually checked them out. You know, met the right people, found a wrestling school, and you know, I, but the one thing that separated me from everybody else is that I, I just kept trying to find more and more contacts of just being a part of a show. So I, I, I went to the local shows, I set up the ring, I took ringside photography. Anything to meet certain wow. people in it, and it actually worked out in the long run. Oh, so you instead pay- of just joining a wrestling school cold turkey, I tried to meet people as I was getting my way, you know, in the door. Oh, you paid you paid your dues the hard the the real hard way. Like you were you were trying to go from from one role to the other until you got plugged in. Oh yeah, whatever it took, whatever it took to get people to recognize me or you know put me in the right direction. Sometimes it went in the wrong direction, but I mean, at the end of the day, I met a lot of people early on that, you know, are still to this day looking out for me. So I, I really can't complain. Well, that's one thing. With, with, and, and, you know, not, not even because you're on with us to, to blow smoke up your ass. But every 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 card we see, I, I see you're on, you know, like you're you're on, you're on the constant hustle. Right. And I wanted to ask. Yeah, with, I, I, go ahead. No, what I was going to ask was how how does that schedule work for you? I mean, do you have a regular nine to five, and then you kind of take the weekends to go on the road? Oh, yeah, oh yeah. They, an independent wrestler does not make enough money to survive. But you know, the, the the wrestling on the weekends it works out sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. You know, but I I rarely miss a show. You know, yeah. no, I, yeah, I back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I was wrestling a lot more often, but, you know, I, I had to slow down. I had to start getting paid a little bit more to do it. And sometimes people don't like to come out of pocket that much to take care of us in the long run. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of it, a lot of guys on the independent circuit, they, they always have, they always talk to us about, you know, just dealing with different promoters and stuff. I mean, how, how do you, how does it work? Do they, do they make you a pitch like, Hey, we want you on our show. You're going to get paid X. Yeah. I mean, but, I, I mean, right now, um, the places that I've even wrestled for within the last couple of years has been uh, not that many different places, but quality places. You know, I I, count, I, I work for JCW right now. Um, I do. I work for Hog, obviously, out in New York. But obviously, I'm very close with Brian Excel and Amazing Red. So it's just, you know, I'm working for my friends. Right. I just did a show the other day, Big Time Wrestling, out in New York. Um, I never worked for them before, but I mean, they put about 1500 people in a wow. school gym. So I, I definitely hope to be back there. Oh, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, I mean, when, when that's one thing that I started really liking about the, the, the independent shows, just more of the intimacy. I mean, red is a, is a longtime friend of the show. He's been on a couple of times and, you know, just being able to get closer to wrestling. Those and- interviews must've been really, really boring. He has no personality. <laughs> but- well, well, you know what, you know what's funny. We have a lot of of common interests, so we, you know, we 
we kind of oh, just. You guys like both like video games and yep. Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm I'm guilty as charged with some of that stuff. Plus, we cover like games and stuff on the show, so you know it, it worked it worked out well that one part of one part of the fan base got to experience something from you know another part, so it, it worked out well. Yeah, I'm sure he he, he gave everybody their fucking codes and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't that it wasn't that crazy. You know what it is? He, he he's been on a couple times, and and you know we we hang out, we've, you know, hung out off air. So, you know, it's a little different, but usually when he comes on, we end up starting to talk about wrestling and it's exactly that it sidetracks into, yo, what game are you playing? And it's like, everybody wants to know. And, Oh, I got to try and play this game with him when he's online. I'm like, Oh my God. You know, bitch. <laughs> supposed to be a professional wrestler. Do you think that Haystacks Calhoun or Cowboy Bob Orton played video games? They traveled the road, got drunk, got high, and oh, got yeah. paid, and got to be professional wrestlers. They don't sit around with their little joystick pippies <laughs> and, you know, hit each other with, with balls of fire. <laughs> well, you know what, you know what's funny about that? It's it, it, a lot, a lot of the younger guys, and I've, it's funny you say that because a lot of younger guys I hear get a lot of shit because, you know, they bring their consoles on the road and, and oh, all this yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, of course they do. Velvet Sky. I just went to Velvet Sky's house a couple of weeks ago. I, that's a little bit of a name drop right there, but I really didn't mean to do <laughs> it's it. It's all good. And um, he got one of those, like, uh, on-the-road Xbox things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Xbox, it, I think AJ puts it over on Twitter all the time. And it comes with, like, a, it's kind of like a laptop, and it opens up, and you're, you can play the Xbox through the laptop. Yep. It's It's crazy, these things. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that they. That, that's, that, why, that's why kids are not parks anymore. That's why kids don't play basketball. Nope. That's why kids don't play handball or stickball or baseball. You go by any school park, there's nobody even there because they're on their smartphones and video games. Well, it, it's it's funny you go into that because I I talk about it to a degree. I mean, we cover the stuff, but you know, it, you know, I'm a gym rat. I I go out. I do stuff, but I always say. It's it's becoming what I like to call the pussification of America. It's like nobody nobody cuts their you know scrapes their knee and puts dirt on the cut anymore you know and mud. Nobody does that stuff. Everybody everybody wants to hide behind the phone and and jump in front you know jump on a console. Nobody goes outside or physical labor. Oh, even even if you go out and a group of people go to a diner and there's twelve people at a table, six of them are going to go on their phones eventually. Yep. That's just how it is. We're way we're way too plugged in. Well, go well talking about you know talking about that on the road when when you go on the road to to prepare are you are you, are you watching tape how how do you prep when you're going on the road? Um, I mean I love watching wrestling. Don't get me wrong. Right. I mean the WWE Network has pumped life back into me, but uh, I mean. Going, there's not, there hasn't really been a road lately for me. I, I really stay pretty local. I really only wrestle in New Jersey and New York. You know, sometimes I'll go wrestle in Florida if I'm down there visiting and stuff like that. But I stay pretty local. You know, this, that that part of my life is kind of over. That was when I first started. I enjoyed wrestling, you know, in Georgia for twenty five dollars and losing all that gas money <laughs> just to have the opportunity. Right. But you know, those days are over. I'm broken. I'm 14 years into this business already. 
I do have a nine to five job that I got to, you know, take care of too. Well, I, also I'm sure, I'm sure just the physical toll catches up over time and you realize, oh, yeah. you know, I, yeah, I did a lot of dumb stuff when I started. I mean, anything to get noticed. I, I took bumps on the floor. You know, I, I kind of went like, kind of like the cactus jack route, I guess. Hey, and, uh, I'm definitely paying for it now. Yeah. I saw, I saw, I saw a dive you did off a balcony. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. That it tr- turned out being worse for the guy I landed on. Really? Yeah. He uh, he wound up not wrestling for two years. It was a bad situation. Oh, my God. And I'm I sorry to hear that. Yeah. That's a- I got a really bad cut like though. How bad? Uh, Not that bad. Like, it was kind of gone, like, the next week. That guy got it a lot worse. Like he got, he went into post concussion syndrome. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, that's just way. Like well, to this day, me and him aren't even that cool now because, like, I did that to him. But meanwhile, you know, it was part of the show, and he agreed to it. And it was originally I'm breaking kayfabe right now, but uh, it was originally supposed to be him jumping on me. Right. He didn't want to do it, and then I said, "Well, I'll do it." And he was like, okay, I'll take it. And he took it, and he got hurt. But I didn't, I landed exactly where I should have. His head was just underneath the metal piece of the table. Oh, man. And his head hit back. And that, that's what happened. Well, you know, it, it, with with regards to that, it's crazy because, and, and I was actually going to ask you about that, when, when you have these instances where sometimes a guy goes into business for himself or a guy, a guy does... Yeah. A spot that's too rough. How do you how do you respond to that on the fly, or do you do you talk to the guy afterwards? Like, hey man, you know that almost fucked me up. You know, like every how does that situation, work? I mean, every situation is different. If someone's going into business for themselves, though, and like I mean, I've gone to blows in the ring before. It wow. happens. Wow. But do you guys? You, do, do you guys end up squashing it, or you or or you leave it in the ring, or does it? It, dep- or, it depends on the situation. Mm. You know. Sometimes you squash it. Sometimes, you know, instead of just uh, burning a bridge, you blew it up, and you just never go back to it. <laughs> uh, Jay Jay says in the, in the chat, Danny gives out receipts. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, Jay's been a long time fan. He's seen them. It happens. Well, that's 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 the thing, you know. And and I and I've talked to a couple guys. They'll be like, hey, you know, a guy who. We'll go. We'll go through the match. We'll go out there and have the match. All of a sudden, the guy doesn't doesn't land right. Then he gets pissed off and he tries to go. You know, he tries to slip a, a punch or a kick in there that he shouldn't. And, and look, look at how many times. Look at how many times me and your little buddy Red hurt each other. And oh we yeah. Never tried to do it on purpose. Nope. But we both just kept getting hurt because we were doing stupid shit. Oh yeah, I saw the one where he almost the the picture he put up a couple days ago. He said his finger almost got ripped off. <laughs> yeah, that was his fault. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, it, 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 it's crazy that, and people, you know, that's what frustrates me when people go into, yeah, man, but you know, it's not real. You know that, right? And it's like, yeah, dude, I kind of know that. But it, if you get whacked on the head with a chair, you can't fake that. <laughs> Shit still hurts. I mean, rest obviously predetermined. Everybody knows that. Right. But to say that it's fake is, is just ignorance. Yeah, well, I mean, even even fights are, and people they they talk about you know real sports not being rigged. It's like you know 
Pete, Pete Rose gambled on sports. Uh, boxers have taken dives. It's it's the same, you know. It's just handled differently. Right. You know that's the, that's the thing that kills me. Now, with, with regards with regards to that, and, I, and this is you know going into like kind kind of just injuryville. Go when you when you're going on the road, are you paying for your injuries and dealing with medical care and stuff out of pocket? Oh yeah. Oh, you oh, do. Yeah. Last year, I uh, I was in a match. It was me and Red against the Young Bucks, against uh, Tony Nese and um, uh, what's his lovely boyfriend, uh, <laughs> Trent Beretta. <laughs> and um, my knee pretty much like exploded. Oh my god! When Red super kicked me, and uh, I tore my. Uh, my meniscus in my left knee. Oh my god, that's crazy! And I had to get, had to get MRIs. I had to get X-rays. I had to go to the, uh, the emergency room, and that all comes out of my pocket. Yeah, because you can't even try and, and and put that through through medical insurance on in your job. Right. That's crazy. Yeah, because MRIs. You know, I, I've gotten the occasional MRI bill before it gets paid by insurance, and it's you know a couple grand. Yeah, it's good. I'm gonna get hit with a nice bill. That's that's and and the worst and the worst part of it is then when when you get hurt that bad, does it make you question like, man, why you know why do I put myself in this situation? Of course, of course. Right and after that happened, and I knew I was gonna be sidelined for a while. I was like, I don't even know if I want to come back to this. But then once you know that you can't do it, it drives you nuts. It makes you want to do it even more. Well. You know, it, it, even even the guys that wrestling is sick. Wrestling is a hundred percent a sickness to every <laughs> single one of us. I don't care if it's Ric Flair, or Hulk Hogan, or you know, Amazing Red, Brian Excel, or their students. Everybody has a sickness if they're going to be in professional wrestling. Well, it, it, it's funny That's you why say I that. I always try to stay away from dating girls in wrestling because I know that they have that <laughs> mental retarded sickness too. But it seems. To have really work out that way. Oh, you try wind up doing it after time after time. <laughs> so you try to you try to stay you try to wait, stay away from the ladies in the business, huh? because you know it comes back to bite you in the ass. Oh yeah. It always <laughs> bites you in the ass, but it's a fun roller coaster ride to hell. So, it's funny, uh Jay Jay asks he goes, out of all your matches with Red, which is at which is probably in the hundreds, which was the most memorable? The most memorable. Oh shit! You blowing out your knee is kind of memorable, you know, like for for the wrong reasons. Um. Yeah, but I uh we did a TLC match, and it was the main event of a ICW show, and it was the first time me and him main evented one, and like the like the pressure was kind of like on our shoulders because Jack was so adamant on um always bringing in big names to draw there, right, and. uh he just had us on top, and he still drew the same crowd he normally did. Um, we delivered, so that was probably the most memorable. But I think our second match ever in ICW was our best match. They're all on YouTube. Yeah, I saw. I started putting some. I started putting some of them up. I put one up earlier today. I put up the match with you against uh, Lethal and, and AJ. I saw. I saw she took a a solid bump from you, man. You. Almost dropped on her dome. <laughs> oh yeah, that was before she was uh, 
the polished wrestler that she is today. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, dude. I, I, I did mark out. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> ha- it happens. It happens once in a while. Even though this is this is kind of like a, my side gig, I still I still mark out on occasion when I see some stuff from, from people oh, I know, you know? I still mark I still mark out, too, dude. I'll, I'll be watching Monday Night Raw marking out to something Dolph Ziggler does. Yeah, well, We're all a fan. I, I, feel, I feel bad for that dude, man, because it's like he, he's right there. <laughs> he's right there, that guy. Yeah, so is Mr. Perfect. Yep. Well, Mr. Perfect oh, always. Ziggler's too good. He's gonna end up killing himself with some of the bumps he takes, man. Like it, it, it goes back to what you were saying. Like sometimes you gotta you gotta pace that. No, shorten yeah. your career. Yeah. No. I'm just, and and there's a lot of old timers that I wrestle, and they're just so broken down, man. Like uh, like Hacksaw Jim Duggan looks like he's full of energy and still in pretty good shape for his his uh, age and stuff. But he's just so broken down. Guys like Tito Santana still wrestle all the time, and they're just so broken. Right I didn't even know that. Hockey talk, man. I didn't know Tito. Like I'm wrestling uh, next weekend. I'm wrestling the Demolition. Yeah, I said Smash. <laughs> and uh, I've I've gone down that road before, and you know they're both very old and should not be in a ring. But <laughs> the toll the wrestling business does to you. Yeah, but you've had some good matches with Tommy. I know you got the match with Tommy this weekend, and Tommy can't. For, oh for, yeah, it's, all, it's always a good time wrestling Tommy Dreamer. For for a guy who's broken every bone in his body, I mean, you know, he, he keeps it together in there. Tommy still goes out there and definitely lets the crowd know that he still gives it a hundred percent. Tommy Dreamer is a team player. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. Much I, respect to Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, that guy, that guy, he's ta- he's taking some spots. I mean, I used to to go to ECW at Elks Lodge, and I was like, that 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 guy, that guy has to be in a in a bathtub of ice when 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 that's over, you know, like some of the spots he would take, some of the real nasty ones he would take. I was like, God, it's got to be killing him. Yeah, you used to go to the Elks Lodge, um, for ECW. Yep. Oh, so when you I was, used to enjoy those Bulgari Deadly uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> halfway riots that he would put on? I went there. I remember I went there. I used to go I used to go to my, the, the high school. I used to go to Bound in, on Main Street. So, uh-huh. you know, a couple guys be like, yo, man, you know, I got, got some tickets. We should go. I'm like, all right. So I went one night. I remember he cut a promo. I'm like, they're going to burn this fucking place down. We're going to die in here because it was it was it was so visceral i was like i was like wow this is gonna explode and we're we're gonna get killed in here but then a couple of weeks later i'm like oh i gotta go back because it was so insane that was like one of my first tastes of ecw at the time and it was i was beyond hype almost getting killed is not fun but hey (laughs) The, the, the toll you take oh absolutely i mean you know i remember i remember he 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 chewed out an old lady and I was just like, oh man, she was she was with like a like an older an older woman, and she was with like her man or her husband, and the guy was like, you can't talk to her like that. Shut oh, the so fuck remorse. up. <laughs> so remorse. Which which le- which leads me to which leads me to your memorable memorable promos where you come out and you just murder somebody in the audience. I remember we went to a House of Glory show. I took uh, uh, one of one of our staffers, Slick, who you probably spoke to, and uh, my nephew. And you came out and there was a lady, she was wearing leopard print leggings or, or a cheetah or a cheetah print leggings. 
and you lit into this lady. Uh, the 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 fact that she didn't walk out of there just 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 was she showed that she was a trooper. I'm a real piece of shit, huh? <laughs> Dude, I I when I saw it, I said I said, "Wow, this is this is serious." Because it, it's funny because when I saw you wrestle Red in on Queens Boulevard, you you lit into a kid mid match. And and you're like, don't make me come out there and slap you. I was like, oh man, you know, it was it was good because you you kept the match flowing, but you still you were still joined with the right dudes, and you picked on that guy pretty much the entire the the entire length of the match. And when the match was over, you still gave him the oh. business. Oh yeah, my mouth doesn't stop. <laughs> well, when was when was when was that uh, thing in House of Glory with the with the leopard? Oh man, the leopard print show. Uh, what the hell was it? I think no, it wasn't the show where he wrestled Sanjay, uh, where they did the injury angle. I didn't wrestle. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that one. Oh, I think Red wrestled Sanjay. No. Yeah, it was. I think the show before that, you came out. It was when they were doing the show, not in the gym, but the spot next door. Yeah. And then you came out, and the lady, she was probably third row in, and you walked by, and you right. caught her from the from the corner of your eye, and I was like. I was like, "Oh man!" And, and as soon as you grabbed the mic, it was it was over. I was like, "Oh, that that's it." <laughs> uh, I don't even remember doing that, but I, I believe you. Oh, uh, it was it was, well, it was good because it, as soon as I I told you know I told Slick I you know who who screened the call he I was like, "Hey, Danny Demonto's coming on." Remember, he lit into the. He was like, "Oh, he's like, yeah, I remember that." <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm glad that I gave you a memorable moment. Oh well, that well, I kind of, I kind of wanted to go into that a little bit. When, when you, when you're, when you're going out there, I mean, obviously you're, you're in the zone for that. But do you, do you kind of hone in on somebody, or if somebody's really booing you heavy, is do you focus on them for some of that stuff, or do you just come out I and mean, just? I don't, I don't, I don't think about it before I go out. But if right. I, if I walk out there and like, uh, I don't know, were you at the last House of Glory show, the one I wrestled Joey Janela? No, that one I didn't go to. I think Jay went for that one. Okay. Well, do you know the kid, uh, Michael Nicholas? Yes, I that, I've heard of him. Okay, you know the little he has the CM Punk wrist wristbands on. He's yeah, a he, yeah, he's a he's a he's a he's a he's a regular there. Like like he, he's out. He's always outrageously loud. So he started fucking with me, and like I just tore into him. But I don't think about what I'm gonna say until it just comes flowing <laughs> out of my mouth. <laughs> like pe- people think about their promos way in advance, and I think that that's a very big no-no because you got to kind of go with the flow, and you-, you never know what people are going to react to and what they're not going to react to. Yeah, well, that- plus it kind of adds to it that I'm a master manipulator and could use people in the crowd as puppets at all times and just keep them on strings. Well, that's good. Entire- Almost just like what I did to Michael that day, I made him look like a complete fool, up and down, up and down, up and down. Well, you know what's funny about that? It's like when the 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 crowd ends up becoming a prop almost for you. Like you're going oh, out yeah. there, you have the scene laid out, but the crowd, as soon as you go out there and somebody kind of jumps into that zone, you're like, "Up, oh, that's the prop." And for there's this. always going to be that one person. <laughs> that's yep, be my that's going to just. Uh, you know, you just have to go on them because, you know, whatever they think it's real or uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever their problem is. That day. 
if you know they're going to go along with it and everybody else is going to laugh at them while, while you abuse them, I don't know why you don't take advantage of it. And most of the time, they give me my bait. They yell something, and I manipulate it right back into them. Well, Jay, Jay shared this gem in the chat. He goes, he told CM Punk it. He has to be quiet while he has sex with his mother. <laughs> yeah. I did. No, I... No, I said that. Um, <laughs> I said uh, me and his mother stay quiet while we have sex while he's sleeping. <laughs> That's actually what I said, and I said that in the middle of a match. Oh my god! Well, you know what's yeah. well when you go in when you go and you go into the fans like that. Has it has it ever been where somebody tries to approach you afterwards, like they take it personal, or do they know that it's part of the show and they kind of? They, they, they. I've never really had like a really bad confrontation. Like there was this one time like this guy's, uh, like I was wrestling a guy and his wife was in the crowd and she got really fired up mm. like, to the point that she tries to get into the ring oh, and come after me. Jeez. And like, uh, I like she kind of got like halfway in the ring, and I like kind of kicked her in the face to get her out of the ring. <laughs> And that got like a really loud, like, oh, because people knew like she was really upset. Like her eyes were bawling, crying, but the guy was like really bloodied up and stuff like that. Right. And I just kept beating him. But it was like part of the show. Like, I mean, he was bloodied and he was like, but she has to know that that's going to happen going into it, you know, but she couldn't really handle it. And it it turned into a very awkward situation for a little bit. It it's crazy that that I mean you know I I actually uh, a guy I work with he went to a show and he actually got into it with with CM Punk and he says hey if I share the if I share this story with you do you want to put it on the site I'm like dude do you really want to do that he's like yeah 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 it's fine so I share it on the site one of our one of our listeners decides to put it on Reddit and um in the wrestling section of reddit and it, he just got ripped to shreds he goes oh so what did the what did people think and i'm like do you really want to know and it's and it's you know it, it's it's crazy because and and that this leads me to what i was going to ask you do you feel that the internet to a degree has kind of not watered down wrestling but taken away a lot of the mystique that made wrestling such a great pastime oh, huge 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 yeah, like even if you're watching old WWE, WWF, and stuff like that before the internet, all these people were untouchable. They yep. were larger than life, and you would have to. The only time you could ever see them is possibly at a box office autograph signing or catching them at a hotel. Right, that was the only access you had to them. Now they all have Twitter accounts, Facebook accounts, Instagram accounts. You know the, you know the websites have blogs. <laughs> you, know, you get to see the inside of these people's lives and you can see that they're just a normal Joe, just like you. Well, and that it, makes them not as large as larger than life as they used to be. Well, you know, it was, it was I, funny because one, well, no, it, I'm, I'm glad you actually said that because when, when the last time I saw you wrestle, we, you, you were, um, you were at the triple crown diner by my house and this was hours after the show. Oh yeah, yeah, and I. Oh, yeah. Who the hell was I with? Was I with a broad? I, I, I think a broad showed up after. Because <laughs> you were, really? you were talking, you were talking to one guy. What happened was when I got there, you were, you were sitting there. Me and my wife came in. This was right after the show, 
And I was like, oh man, you know, it's Danny DeMonto. And she, and I was like, let me not go over there and be one of those fucking assholes that stops a guy mid meal. I think you had just got your food. I was like, let me not. So when I, huh? Triple. Where do you live? I by Triple Crown Diet. I live uh, ten minutes from that. I live right by Belmont. So this is my mother. My mother lives in Floral Park, right by Belmont. There you go. Yeah, I'm right between uh, all world Hampstead and Jamaica. Yeah, yeah. She lives like right behind the school. Oh, okay. Park, uh, you know where that big track is. Yep. Well, we're we're getting off track, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, but but it was just a, it was just exactly that. You know, it's like when when the ma- you know when I saw you in there, it's like all right, you know, he's not working. It's like I'm not gonna roll up on him. Be like, hey, man, you know, like I don't want to. You could have said hi. That would have been funny. Yeah, but it also, but but that was the whole thing. Like I I like I'm like, look, dude, switched off. He's trying to eat Who and chill. Who was I with? I, dude, I, you first you were talking to the waiter, and then I was leaving. A, 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 a lady came in. I don't know, you know, I don't know what 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 she was to you, but there but there was a lady coming in. So, you know, I was like, I mean, let me. And that's you got me thinking, but this, this is not making for good radio. So let's talk about something. No, no, no. But let me another good question. <laughs> Jay says he was with a ring rat. <laughs> Yeah, probably, but I'm trying to figure out which one. <laughs> Christ. No, but uh, the reason the reason I say that is because what you were or saying... it could have been Rosita. No. Cause... Not saying that she's a ring rat, <laughs> but it could have been Rosita. <laughs> nah, she nah. little Spanish? I couldn't. I She was blonde. That's all I remember. She was blondish. Huh. Blondish, no, no clue. Like I said, it was. I said, I said, let, let me. It could let, be my mother. Who knows? Yeah, it was. It was late. Right, and I was, so go ahead. So I was like, you know, when I when that happened, then I said, and I and I, I think I told you on Instagram, like, yo, I saw you, da 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 da, and you were like, yo, you should have came through. I was like, yeah. I said to myself, that's exactly what what happens with a lot of these guys. You know that they they end up they open up their lives like like what you were saying. You know, between blogs and everything else, and then the fans kind of feel more connected. And then they just—they don't know when to switch off, you know. Right, right. And then, you know, say one of the—I'm not saying that this would happen, but you know, one of the Bella twins has a fight with Daniel Bryan, and then puts it on Twitter yep. that she's upset because, you know, that stuff that you never got to see before. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. Like you thought Macho Man was really with Elizabeth. And you really thought Macho Man was with Sensational Sherry. That's right. You know, you really believed these situations back in the day. Like, you really thought Ric Flair made these falsy pictures about Macho Man because the <laughs> WWF magazine told you so. And that was your only outlet to these people. That was it. It was it was WW, the, the WWF magazine. And, you know, when it started getting, when the internet started kind of taking off and people started getting the spoilers like the old days, but even even back then, the spoilers weren't a hundred percent. They'd be like an hour before the show went live. It, it now it's like you know the spoilers a week in advance, and I and I feel to a degree it's kind of sullied part of the product. That's why like even though I'm I'm critical of it because it's, it's part of my job. Some days I just I just switch off and watch it. You know, just like with bad movies, we all watch bad movies and people go, "Hey, why do you watch that shit?" Oh, I love bad wrestling. Bad wrestling is my favorite type of wrestling. <laughs> Well, are are you talking? 
Are you talking YouTube or just promotion wrestling? Because I've seen some stuff on YouTube that's um, really cringeworthy. Like, you know, YouTube or like, you know, companies that just run really crappy shows. And I, I enjoy watching really crappy. It's got to be really bad. Like the five hour wrestling thing that they put out there. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh, yeah. Fox puts out five dollar wrestling. It's, it's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Well, the. Do you do you feel is, that is Jay the only is, is Jay the only one in this uh, chat room? No, there's a there's a there's a few people in the chat, but most you know you're new to some of them. Jay Jay since he works oh, okay. since Jay because, works with me, I've been around people that have really shitty podcasts, and they had nobody in their chat rooms. So that would make them talking to themselves. Nah, I got and it was <laughs> it was actually really embarrassing. No, I mean the the chat the chat's on the site, so you could pop in there if you want to if you want to fuck with them if you want. <laughs> no, if they want to fuck with me, they could say it through you, and I'll fuck with them through you, and they could be keyboard warriors. Yeah, well, you know you know what the problem is with that though with the, with the with the keyboard warriors and and I and I get them on air too. Like sometimes I love keyboard warriors; they're so funny. They're they're good up until a point where it's just like, all right, dude. Like like you know, sometimes you gotta drop you you drop a bomb. And you drop the mic and you walk out of the room and they just don't get it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I've had people like I had this one guy wrote on my status a couple of weeks ago that they're that the dead that they were burying Daniel Bryan and Daniel Bryan made it work at WrestleMania. <laughs> um, that they they weren't trying to do that to him on purpose. They were just trying to bury him, and that. That WWE were lucked out because Daniel Bryan is so good at overcoming the boundaries. Oh my god! And I'm like, you idiot! <laughs> That's what they want you to say. Yep. It, it's the, the you know what the worst part of that is? It's that, and we we talked about this on air leading up to it. Like you know, we were talking about the CM Punk situation. We were talking about the the Daniel Bryan thing, and it was funny because the last show before Mania, we I you know we had a couple of other guys on, and I said, listen. You know, this is this is all Vince McMahon's master plan. We're going to tune in on Sunday, all one million people that watched it on the network, and you're going to get your money's worth. Right. One way, one way or the, the other. It, it was good. I mean, the, the you know, I'm, I'm still 50 50 with the Undertaker thing. Because I, I thought it was great because it was the element of surprise. Yep, that 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 if, I love. If you're able to predict every single match that ever happened, then you know it, it doesn't really make it fun anymore. No, that the the loss and and that was the the funny thing because when I did the show that Thursday, I was like I was like they're not gonna you know Taker's not gonna lose to Lesnar. He's gonna go maybe twenty five and zero and retire. So that Monday, right. that Monday, like you were saying about keyboard warriors, a dude hits me up on Twitter. Now he he would have been twenty. He would have been twenty two and up. Well, no, I said it. Ah, okay. I wanted. I, I personally, I was like, yeah, you know, he's gonna go twenty five and zero, retire, and that'll be it. And I, and I, and I was cool with that, you know. And I kind of stuck to it. And that Monday, a guy says on Twitter, he's like, "Hey, man, are you eating crow now because he lost?" And I'm like, "Dude, I don't really give a shit." <laughs> you know, like, like it's not, it's not the end of my existence, but it's like, I, it was, it was funny that the dude went out of his way to reach out to me, like, "Yo, man, you know, ha ha, you're you." You, you picked wrong and it's like yeah well you usually don't pick against the undertaker like what you said it's about it's about the element of surprise nobody saw that shit coming i don't care who it was oh no nobody did at all they nope. did a great job yeah well you know um 
go, going into that, when when you watch it, you know, since you're when since you're in the business, do you try to shut off, or do you find yourself sometimes critiquing what you're watching? I you always have that in the back of your mind, like you always do the critiquing. But like, I, you know, I try to be a fan as much as possible. Right. I try to also, you know, even as long as I've been around, I still try to learn from those that are better than me, you know? And I try to black out all the people that, you know, possibly try to look what's, what's bad in it and see what's good in it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I... Yeah, and I do it because, like I said, it's 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 part of part of the process. Sometimes I'll I'll come in one week and I'll be like, "What are they doing?" You know, like with certain things. Like I always I always get pissed off with the way they book all the diva matches because I'm like, "Wow, this is really the match where you got to go to the bathroom." But the last couple of weeks, I've come on air and I'm like, "Yo, they're really they're getting it together. It's starting to work now." Oh yeah, I I think the divas are also working a lot harder as of late. You know, because they got a little bit um, of stuff behind them too, with that whole Diva show. So I, I, I mean, and I think that Diva show is a great tool because it shows, you know, the part of the lives that every wrestling fan always wanted to see in the Divas. Right. You know, I don't, I don't care, and it's a big work, but oh you yeah, know, there's <laughs> non-wrestling fans that watch that show just because they like the drama. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you know, my, perverts. Oh, per, per, perverts. Definitely. I mean, there's always there's always one dude who throws out a screen grab. Hey, look at this. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, this, this go, going into, you know, t- talking about just like the industry as a whole, since you've been involved 14 years now, where do you where do you want to see the industry go? Do you want to see it go back to more of kind of keeping things exactly like you were saying as an element of surprise or do you or do you feel that it's going to become even more open or as triple h coined it the reality era um i i i love what they're doing right now i mean i i do like this whole reality era but i mean you could always tell a beautiful story in a wrestling ring you know i don't i don't know if you guys watched the first week of nxt but yep cesaro wrestled Sami Zayn. It was amazing. They had a phenomenal match. You're always going to be able to, you know, be the puppet masters to and make the crowd your puppets. And if and if that somehow goes away, then they shouldn't be wrestling. But I mean, that that's that that's a, that's what separates a good worker from a you know great wrestler. Well, go, going into that and 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 telling stories in the ring. Have you have you had those instances where you go in there and you you go in there with a guy that you say to yourself, "We're gonna have a fucking classic tonight." Oh yeah, at the last, the the show that um, Jay was talking about that I killed uh, that Nicholas the CM Punk kid. Yep. Uh, I knew that me and Joey Janela were gonna have an amazing match that night before we even went out there, just because I just had I just had the feeling, and you know sometimes people in the locker room sometimes could also rile you up with their ignorance. Hmm. And uh, that actually happened to me that night and was just like one of those, uh, I'm not going to name names, of course not. but it was one <laughs> of those like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to steal the show. Right. And the other guy being like, uh, try it. And then, uh, you know, I came back, I came to the back after my match that night. And I slapped that guy on the chest and said, go ahead, superstar. There you go. And it didn't work out that way. Well, with the, when when you go out there and and this is this is the thing, 
you go out there, you, you're saying to yourself, yeah, I'm going to go have a, have a great match. Are there instances where you go out there and it's the exact opposite and you go out there and, and the guy you're working with? Or the, I just know it's going to be a shit fest. Yeah, you know it's going to be a dud? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, you know, two years ago, I had to wrestle Nikolai Volkov. Oh, man. How yeah, bad? That was hell. That bad, that huh? Hell. hell. Jesus. Hell. You know, and, and, you know um, about a year ago, probably, year, year and a half ago, there was a two-month period that I had to wrestle Vader four times in two months. Oh, my God. And every single time, every single time, it's hell with, with that guy. What was it? Hell, he mostly? Sell. Oh, okay. He, he, he doesn't sell. He hits me with as hard as he possibly can. Oh. He stinks like fucking shit. <laughs> That's and, crazy. And he really believes that, you know, it's it's the peak of his career that he could just be beating up on these young guys. It's it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, you know, it's it's crazy when you're looking at that because it's like you say to yourself, Oh man, you know, this guy's been in the game a long time. We're gonna go out there, we're gonna try and do we're gonna try and do something solid, and then he comes in there and he cracks you one and you're like, Yo, dude, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, I learned that the first time, but then, you know, I had to have that match way too many times. And, you know, I, I reg- it's just one of those guys that's like, oh, I got to wrestle this guy tonight. Okay. <laughs> and it just doesn't, just doesn't motivate you. You know, every single time I go out there, if I'm wrestling red, I get very motivated. You know, I, I hope that the motivation is on both sides. <laughs> He's not thinking about his uh, video games that night. <laughs> Jay says, you and Zebra Kid were amazing. Uh, yeah, that's Joey Janelle. That, was, that night was great. Well, you know... All the stars aligned that night. And that's what, and, and, I, and I'm sure once, once that match is over, you go back and you're like, this, this is why I do it. You know, and then you have the, right. the, yeah. the duds and you're like, fuck. <laughs> well... I mean, Nikolai, you you don't really have much uh, going into it. Like you, you just try to get through the night, and and just you know, you, you try, try to, to survive. It. And my goal that day was to make it longer than six minutes, and I made it longer than six minutes. <laughs> well, on 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 the bright side, though, on the bright side, can you say you've had? Bet more. You, you have more people you like to work with. The list is bigger of people you like to work with versus guys you don't. Um, like if we're going my entire career, yeah, like the, uh, I would probably say it's it's probably half and half. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. And There's do, a lot of shitty wrestlers out there. Do you kind of? There's a lot. Of, when, a lot of guys that you know go into business for themselves. A lot of guys that are lazy. A lot of guys that, you know, should have just never even put a pair of boots on. Guys that just sell tickets in their hometowns and I have to just make them look good. I, I've wrestled, I've wrestled school mascots. No way. I've wrestled midgets. <laughs> I've wrestled black midgets. <laughs> I've wrestled women. Jeez. And do you, do you sometimes have to break it to these guys? Like, have you ever run into an instance where you have a match with a guy, an, an up and coming guy, and you got to tell oh, him, dude, I, this I, isn't I've for you? I've the back and told somebody that they absolutely suck and they should burn their boots <laughs> and never wrestle again in their face. Wow. The second we've gotten to the. 
In 2003, I made a guy shit himself, and he was wearing white tights. <laughs> and there was an outline on the video. You could see the whole brown stain. Is that on your channel, or, or do I got to look for that? <laughs> I would have to put it online. I have it on a VHS tape somewhere. Oh, that we, we definitely got I, I, dude. Should, I, should, I should put that up. It's actually rather, rather entertaining. Dude, I would share that immediately on the page. Immediately. <laughs> Just because... The event of that show was Terry Funk versus Low Life Louie. I don't understand how Terry Funk still does it, man. Like, you know, not knock on wood. Well, not, he doesn't still do it. He, he's just managing on Saturday. He's managing Tommy Dreamer. But I can't believe he even gets on a plane. Yep. Like, I, like I, it just, it, it trips me out. And, you know, it's like, and, I, and you know, I say knock on wood. It's like a lot of these guys, you know, that, that pass away. And it's like, yo, Terry Funk just sits there just laughing at death. <laughs> laughing at it. So, so does Jake Roberts. Yeah, I had the opportunity to be with Jake Roberts a lot in the last couple of months, and the guy's full of life. You know, it seems like he, he uh, you know, whole, had a whole life pumped back into him. Meanwhile, you know, he did every single drug and <laughs> drink under the sun for years upon years upon years, and for such a long time. I mean, I even said this to his face. Every single time there was a wrestler death, the first person people thought it was going to be was him. Yep. I'm not going to lie to you. I was in, I was in that camp for a while. Like, like I'd look, I'd be like, all right, it's not, you know, it's not this guy. And then it's like, oh, don't let it be you Jake. Say, the same. Okay. Who, who's the next three that are going to die? Yep. It was always Jake. Yep. Jake, Jake was always Jake, on that Jake, list. Jake. Jake was always on that list. And even in a joking fashion, a lot of, a lot of guys who I was friends with, they'd always be like Ric Flair. Cause he's going to go out there and wild out one night. <laughs> and, it's, and that's going to be right. that. And Iron Sheik was always up there. Yeah. Well, he turned still kicking. He's still kicking, but you know what? What's good? I I guess he's got just a good. He's got good people behind him because I think that's also a factor as well. Just your support system with with wrestling, and you know, and I wanted to ask you about that. You know, out once outside of you know, how does your your family react to like your profession, and and how do they you know how do they interact with it, and you know, do you feel that they My embrace mother, it? My mother absolutely hates it at this point just because mm. I never really made it to the big time. And uh, she feels like a, it's kind of like wasted talent. Mm. That's that's what she says. So, you know, she wishes that I made more money in the long run. Right. Um, every now and then I could get her to come to a show if it's local or, you know, if I could bribe her to do it. Like she's going <laughs> to... She's going to come next Saturday to see me wrestle the demolition, actually. And it's the first time she's traveling to Jersey to watch me wrestle in years. But uh, she remembers buying the demolition face paint kit for me when I was, you know, six or seven years old. And I was smashed for demolition for for Halloween. So it's kind of like funny to her to see me wrestle a team like demolition. And she also knows going into the match since they're so basic and old that there's not going to be much high risk and she's not going to be there. You know, she's, she's not going to come to a show that, you know, I'm doing a TLC match against a couple of young guys, Yeah, you know, but I'll, I'll have her come to a show that, you know, she came to a show and saw me wrestle Tommy dreamer one time. And that was a little nerve wracking for her. Um, but she's come to see me what wrestle, uh, Rikishi because she really used to like him. Um, 
and stuff like that. Like she was the one that got me into wrestling. Right. And uh I guess she probably thought that, you know, it wasn't ever gonna get to this point. Right. But uh I mean my other family members they they don't really follow it as much. Like I'm the wrestler of the family, but like they don't really come to my shows or anything like that. But you know, around Christmas time they'll be like, Oh, how's the wrestling? <laughs> oh good. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, okay. Well, look, with with regards to that, and you and and you you know what you were saying about your mom feeling you were, you you have you know that the talent was wasted. Where do you do you think that just the scope of wrestling has changed? Where you know the scouting style has become something completely different. Like like who's to say you oh, still yeah. can't get picked it's up? A, it's you know, a lot of uh, right place, right time. Who you know, how you look. You know, how you look is a big thing now, you know, with WWE. Right. They could find guys that, you know, they had a lot big athletic background, but they never even stepped foot in a ring before. But John Laurinaitis just thinks that they had the look of a wrestler. Yep. And he'll say himself that he could train a monkey to wrestle, but you can't train a monkey to look the way you want a wrestler to look. Hmm. And, you know, I never, I never fit the uh, WWE mold as far as, uh, you know, the bodybuilder look which what they were looking for during the period of time when I was, you know, young and hungry and trying to get there, you know, but I, I would have never had that look, you know, maybe 10 years beforehand when they were employing heavier guys, you know, the Bam Bams, the Vaders, you know, I, I would have had a better shot, you know, right. but, uh, I, I had a couple of close calls with TNA, nothing ever really panned out. You know, I, I've been told I was being brought to Puerto Rico probably, close to 30 times now it never panned out because Jeez. of the money so bad you know i'm not one of these mark wrestlers that fly themselves over to japan which a lot of these guys are doing now which is killing the uh chances of getting any of these japanese companies to bring over the americans so it's just so rare because there's so many of these mark wrestlers that'll say hey i'll fly myself over there if you pay me you know just to wrestle but meanwhile, the flight cost over a thousand dollars. That's crazy. I'll never gain one of those people. Yeah, well, that's that's I'm the thing you a too. Side of the business that you know a lot of people don't really get to see. Well, no, I and 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 that's what I want. I want to hear because you know anybody can ask you, hey, you know how was it wrestling this guy? How was it wrestling that guy? But I, it, it's better to know the 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 real side of it because it's 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 a side of it that that just tells about the real talent, like flying yourself out to Japan. This. That's the first time I've ever heard that a guy, you know, guys flying themselves out to Japan. And it's an insult. It's an insult that that guy gets to go to the Ribera Steakhouse and get a get a jacket that they earned by being an American getting brought over to Japan. Well, meanwhile, they're bringing themselves over. So it's pretty much like they're going, they're paying for their own vacation. Right. And they're happy to be while they're over there. Ah, that's... That's insane. I've I never I never knew that. Like I know guys that that you know like like guys that have been on TV. They'll be like, yeah, hey, you know, I'm gonna... a couple of guys that like I don't I don't care if a couple of you know young hungry guys get in a car and drive from you know New York to to Georgia or New York to Florida or New York to Texas or or vice versa just to try to get looked at across the country and lose a couple of bucks by doing it because they're going to get a little exposure. But a seasoned veteran flying themselves to Japan to try to get noticed is just straight up embarrassing. Yeah. It's a, it, it, you know, you're telling me this, 
and it trips me out because it's like you see these guys yeah i'm gonna go to japan learn the strong style and it's like dude you, you're taking a vacation <laughs> of course that's the marks that's 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 crazy i mean with 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 tna when when you were you know on on their radar was that something where they were scouting you or did you just know the right people for that um i definitely knew the right people um it was during one of their uh, build-ups to the X-Division pay-per-views, and um, they needed a spot filled, and Red actually was the first person that dropped my name. And then uh, once he dropped my name to, I believe, AJ Styles, um, I then told Velvet Sky, who's one of my uh, good friends, that that was what was going on. Right. And then she talk to the head writer um, to try to get me in the spot. And then uh, local indie sensation Anthony Nice was offered the exact same spot, but he would have had to get flown there. I lived in Orlando at the time. Uh-huh. So I had to pretty much just on the block. Right. Um, if he didn't get on the flight, it would have been my spot that night in a three-way with Jack Evans and... I think it was Shima Zion, I believe. Um, but me and Anthony Nice had like a dark, it was like the dark match of dark matches. Um, the only people watching the match was Dixie Carter, Hulk Hogan, Elo Brown, Al Snow, Shit. Pat Keeney, and Brother Love. Wow. And uh, just because of the mold, once again, you know, in, in a three-way with Jack Evans and Shima Zion, obviously Anthony Nice fits the mold a lot better than I do. Right. But, like, they, they gave me pointers and brought me back a couple of times after that, you know, to take a look at me and stuff like that, but nothing ever really panned out. And then I moved um, from Orlando back to here, and then a couple of months later, they did that whole thing with, um, what, what was that group called? That they, they were all just mass characters. It not, turned out to be like Luke Bellows and what? Not aces and eights. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aces and eights. I would have definitely have been in that as one of those mask guys every single week, just because they always just had people around to do that. Right. Type of stuff. But it was just bad timing, you know. But I have a lot of friends in TNA. I felt very comfortable being back there, just because you know it's a lot more relaxed than WWE. Right. Um, I I wish TNA was doing better, and they because because they have a lot of amazing amazing talent, and they have the outlet to make it big. It's just you know something's holding it back. I say whatever it, that may be. I say it all the time. I mean, when when Red was there, and they were really focusing on the X division, and they had you know that really really stacked knockouts division. I said I said they're they're putting on some really really good matches, and then. Just, just something, right. something really just I, I hit the skids, and you know I, I could say when it when when they, I I could say it was when they brought Hogan in, but you know what? You can't blame just one guy for that. It's too it's too well, easy. Hogan, Hogan threw off the pay scale for a lot of young guys. Yep. Stuff. Um, he eliminated a lot of those X division guys that were just, you know, sometimes getting paid just to do you know, one thing a month and whatever like that, but they were just constantly being fed. 
uh, they couldn't get fed because Hogan needed to get those big paychecks. And so was Ric Flair. Yep. They were just pissing them away on child support and whatever the fuck else they were doing. And it's crazy. I, I mean, even, even one of the days that I was there, you know, uh, that they were taping for Impact. Right. They couldn't find Hogan when Hogan's music hit one day. Oh, Jesus. And, uh, Ray had to cut his pro, uh, his promo for him. It was when they were doing their group together. Right. And then they found Hogan passed out on a bench somewhere. Oh, my God. That's the top paid guy in the company. Well, you know, was there it was there a an, and I think this happened maybe when they when they got the spike deal when the spike deal started really coming becoming more involved. Were those guys at any point the bill was footed by the network, or was it still just TNA paying these guys? I I have no idea about that stuff. Yeah, because it was it was weird. There was always that there was always that thing where they were like, "Hey, the network is paying like like Sting." Like, you know, just to use an example, they'd say, "Hey, we're gonna pay for Sting to be here." And then I think when, with what's been now, happening... Everybody seems to be under a TNA contract. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. TNA is not a money at all. They, they're in the whole, a lot of, a shitload of money. They don't make money, but they pay all their guys, you know, pretty decent. Yeah, unless you're like one of these X Division, like the Shiva's Ions and stuff like that. Even they're getting pretty decent money now. Yeah, well, I keep using him as the bottom of the barrel guy, <laughs> and I feel bad because he's actually a pretty talented guy. But you know, those low talent, those low budget guys, they're still making decent money now because they're doing a lot of house shows. Well, I wanted, to, I wanted the knockouts. To... What was that with the knockouts? The, knock, the knockouts get screwed because they have to come out of pocket for a lot more stuff than you know the average wrestler, and uh, they're they're making. Pretty shitty money, unless your name is Velvet Sky, who you're making big <laughs> baller money. That's girl in the company. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta ball out a little bit. Well, I, I gotta ask you on on the subject of gimmicks. I mean, the the gimmick I feel is kind of lost its way a little bit. I think to a to a degree, people get saddled with wrong gimmicks, but I think there's still a place for it. You can't just come out as the as the big jack guy with the black trunks and 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 cutting one dimensional oh, yeah, promos. I, I hate you got to have some type of character behind you. I mean, can, can you still go out there and, you know, be a Doink the Clown or, you know, the Gobbledygooker or Bastion Booger or Duke the Dumpster Jersey or Earthquake? You can't do that anymore just because, you know, everybody's kind of smartened up. Yep. And it's just an evolution of professional wrestling that it has to be a little bit more realistic. But, uh, you know... If you have a character behind you, people will get behind you. You know what I mean? Well, with the, with with you with with, with and and I, and I don't even call this a gimmick. You you being the cold hearted player, where where did you kind of start piecing that together? Did you just take your yourself and amp it up like a, like a lot of people say they do with um, some of their actually actually somebody actually made the name up for me for their own company. Hmm. Um. It was it was old school. Uh, New York guy, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, Damien Dragon. No, him I've never uh, heard. He had his own in New Jersey, and uh, he wanted to put me together with another guy, and he gave me the the name Cold Hearted Player. But I, I I loved it from the second he said it, and it stuck. And you know, I just try to put my own little twist on it, and it's just it, I, I use 
master manipulation in my matches to kind of go with that gimmick. Right. You know, I do over-the-top asshole things to people that, you know, kind of push the envelope sometimes. You know, I try to I try to connect with the crowd on a really personal level and make them really, really try to hate me. You know, and I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm a heel, but I, I try to make it kind of be cold-hearted. Right. Just so it, there is some type of character for people to get behind. But it's hard to do on an indie level without television. Right. Television is builds character. Well, yeah, tele- television builds character, but also it's just the fact that you're able to, you know, you're able to look back on it and be like, all right, I can tweak this, I can do this, and it's on it's on a different scale because there's different people behind the scenes also kind of giving you pointers. Like, do you feel sometimes when you're out there, you you wish you you know somebody would just come up to you and be like, hey man, this worked. You got to just tighten this up. Oh yeah, I, I ask people for their opinions all the time. And sometimes I ask the opinion of people that I know that I'm smarter than just to see if they have a wall thing that I could I, I could learn from. The the old smartest guy I'm in the room trick. You know who that I, I, I love the opinion of? The wrestling fan that came to go see their family. No, actually the non wrestling fan that came come to see, you know, one of their young family members wrestle. Right. That don't normally come to shows. I like to hear their um, review of a show that they've never been to before. You like the novice? I, oh, I always learn something from that. Yeah, the novice, the novice fans. It's it's uncharted territory, so you're kind of getting a more right, an unbiased opinion. Right. Like I'd love to hear what my mother has to say about these shows, right? More than the fan that's been at every single show for the last few months. Exactly. Because whatever's put out to somebody that hates it is doing their job. If that if that means anything to you. No, no, that that makes perfect sense. I think I think that getting criticism from people that aren't familiar with with your brand, it's 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 almost like you're, right. you're conducting your own focus group. It's like, what do you think of this? And you know, somebody who's never seen it will be like, I, oh, I thought it was all that's, right. That's a great. That's a great thing. Yep. It's your own focus group, and I think I think that more. I think that more companies, I, I think more wrestling companies need to do that because what happens is they become so enamored with the fans, you know, with the smart fans and the fans that know the product. And, you know, I have to sometimes explain to people when they talk about like John Cena, it's like, listen, John Cena connects with the people who spend the money. Guess who they are? The ones who want to shut their kid up, who don't know shit about wrestling. Right. You know, they're the ones that, that, that they'll part with the money. They'll be like, hey, man, you know. Yeah, he's nice. He's clean cut. You know, he's in good shape. He's a decent role model. He doesn't curse. And I'm, okay, here you go. Shut up. <laughs> it's I, in, I 100% agree with you. And I, and it and it trips me out because it's like when when companies do that, they rely too much. Like I I watched TNA today before I was watching the show, and uh, Dixie Carter was cutting a, a promo against uh, EY, and she's like, yeah, you know, it's it's uh. The hashtag throwback Thursday. I'm like, ugh, why did you do that? Why? Oh my god. Yeah, like I'm like It it just killed me. Yep. Grown ass woman. And I'm like, I'm like, this is verbatim Stephanie McMahon's promo against Daniel Bryan. And I and I and and I had to shut off. I had to shut it off to to get ready for the show. And I said, I said, you see, this is this is what happens. You start watching it too much and you're like, look, verbatim, it's practically the same promo. 
and I felt bad. I'm like, shit. I'm like, shit. I can't. I can't. I can't even. I can't even say it. And and I'm sure with w- other dog baby face and everything. Yep. When when she when she was gra- there was a part in the promo she's grabbing his beard so and she's a very like, large difference between EY and Daniel Bryan. Oh yeah. There, there's a huge difference. I mean, I, I, I do feel that, you know, EY is definitely an underrated guy. But you know what the problem was? He's, I, I've always felt, I, I used Santino as, as an example. Here's a guy that has a, a, a ton of talent ring-wise and work-wise, but he's saddled with this gimmick that unless he can escape from it, it's going to crush him. Yeah, but I think Santino's great. I mean, I, and every single time... Like, I get these opinions from, like, these broads that I talk to and stuff like that. <laughs> they all love Santino. I liked, I liked his, his gimmick when he was starting out. He was, he was like, the, the Russian, like, Fedor-like killer. He was, he was pretty much what Alexander Rusev is now. He was wrestling as Boris Alexiev. Yeah, but I, I, I don't like that for him. I, I like the comedy thing. You like the I comedy mean, thing, it's huh? Obviously, it's obviously had its, uh, ran its course, but, I mean... So did Eugene. So did the Hurricane. You know, sometimes you have to have that one like little goofball. Well, how 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 do you view? Let's say you know when you when looking at gimmicks that they're using now. There's a lot of there's a lot of them that are pretty cut and dry. It's like you got the jacked up guy with all the tattoos. Then you got you know the the uh, you know the the underdog guy. But then there's guys that are to a degree gimmickless. And 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 you and they, it's like can you can somebody give them something like I always I always feel like right. with Cesaro like initially before they started noticing that the guy could get the job done it's like this guy's gonna be stuck because he just goes right. out there and he right. kicks ass like uh like how what are they gonna do with Sami Zayn yep if they ever take him off NXT yep the name sucks he would have been so much better in the mask. He would have made so much more money for the company with a mask. Absolutely. And it, and it hides that he's just a plain-looking white dude. Well, the, the, mass, the mass wrestlers have always been something where I've always said, I'm shocked WWE doesn't use more of them in the quote-unquote PG era. Yeah, but look at, look at the flop that Sin Cara turned out to be. Yeah, but that, I also feel that that was a flop because they let that guy skip NXT. Like, he just went into the into the upper card and nobody knew how to work the lucha style like it's like go out there and have a match with jack swagger and I try and ha- want to learn english yep <laughs> i'm like how's he gonna go out there and have a match with jack swagger if, if the guy's a completely different style like i you know like i know that right. there's some styles that don't mesh but then it's like yo you, you're sending this guy out there to the wolves right well with regards to that when when you've wrestled do you feel what style do you prefer to work do you like the more uh, the more aggressive style, you like more chain wrestling. wrestling. How big? The, it it, dep- it totally depends. You know, I, I don't mind, you know, going all out with a guy like Amazing Red or, you know, Bandito Jr. and stuff like that. And, and you know, kind of being the big guy, little guy, you know, giant, you know, the Goliath <laughs> versus what, 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 what is that called? David and Goliath. You know, David, David versus Goliath, yeah. Hold on a second, guys. We just had an issue here, a disconnect. Hold on. Hey, guys. Uh, sorry about the disconnect. Um, I see. It seems we had a uh, a power surge that fried, not fried, but shut off the laptop that uses our show to dial in. Um, Danny actually 
messaged me and said, I need to charge my phone and pass out. Let's do it again soon. So um, we're going to definitely square that away uh, very soon, and we'll get Danny back. Um, you know, I'll, I'll smooth it over with him. Uh, my apologies, of course, to you guys. I didn't even count on that. I don't know what happened. Um, one minute we're talking, the next minute I see that the the call dropped and it just took a dump. Uh, again, I apologize, but um, just to you know, make sure to get Danny stuff out there. And I, I think I owe Danny lunch next time I see him. Uh, Danny will be working this Saturday in New Jersey. Um, he's taking on Tommy Dreamer, who is being managed by Terry Funk for Jersey Championship Wrestling. Uh, he also has a match against Demolition. Uh, actually, no, no, no. Yeah, he has the match against Tommy Dreamer uh, this coming Saturday. The address is 2491 uh, Old Hooper Avenue in Brick, New Jersey. Uh, tickets are $21 for adults. Kids and seniors um, are $19, and the doors open at 6.45. The bell time is at 7.45. Like I said, it's, da it's Danny taking on Tommy Dreamer, uh, managed by Terry Funk. Danny will be accompanied by Shannon Williams. To get more information, make sure to check out jerseychampionshipwrestling.com. You can also find uh, Danny DeMonto on Twitter, at Danny DeMonto, and also on Instagram as well. We'll definitely try and get him back. Uh, when he does his show against demolition within the next cut with, I believe it's next week and hopefully we'll be able to square that away. I definitely owe him, uh, some lunch next time I see him. Dark helmet says technical difficulties. Please stand by for your safety. Remain seated. It was aliens. I'm sure it was aliens. Who knows? But with that said, I'm looking at the clock and it is, uh, 1257 Eastern standard time. We already got a late start. So I'm going to get into this week's MMA news and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some wrestling stuff and of course we're going to talk some gaming and entertainment news as well we're definitely going to sprint to the finish because that it, we we can't do a 4 a.m show but let's talk some MMA shall we All right, so this past uh, Wednesday, as a matter of fact, yesterday, since it's already, well, not even yesterday, uh, this past Wednesday, it was the Ultimate Fighter Nations finale, uh, Canada versus Australia. Now, the, the crazy thing about this card was that I didn't watch this season of the Ultimate Fighter. I kind of started watching it, and I felt incredibly, incredibly bored with the season, even though there were some great prospects, and I really liked uh, Patrick Cote, but... A lot of a lot of stuff just really just wasn't meshing for me with regards to the season itself. And I really skipped on it and I kind of felt bad. But when I ended up watching the card, I didn't feel too terrible about it because at the end of the day, the card itself was incredibly solid. It was incredibly solid. Um, Sean O'Connell, Ryan Jimmo, everybody was talking about it. Ryan Jimmo with a nasty, nasty right hand that dropped O'Connell. Um, beautiful KO, four minutes, 27 seconds in the first round. Uh, Ryan Jimmo definitely impressed and putting Sean O'Connell to sleep was just ridiculous. The ladies also, uh, definitely had a solid, a solid performances as well as Leslie Smith took on Sarah Kaufman in a very, very solid fight. Sarah Kaufman takes the victory via unanimous decision. I, I really like this fight. I think that the ladies aren't getting their, their, not that they're not getting their just due. I just feel that a lot of times, uh, people kind of gloss over it 
because they only associate women's mixed martial arts with Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate. And there's so many other great uh, female fighters out there that are doing, you know, doing what they got to do. And I, you know, I feel bad. A lot of guys were like, really, this card, that fight wasn't all that. And I felt that that fight was incredibly, incredibly competitive. I really think that Sarah Kaufman definitely showed um, a different dimension to her game. Definitely solid, crisp stand up especially in that second round where she closed it out with a nice uppercut and right hook and uh you know they they nice nice uh trade of of knees to the body to close out the round it was it was really good i was very very impressed and it was funny because we went from that fight and that's kind of the way the entire card went it fluctuated from one to the other where it was uh, a high and a low and a high and a low like the Kaufman fight i felt was really good i think the women were were definitely um you know they went the full 3 rounds and to some degree, I felt that we kind of needed that because you don't want too many fast finishes because you don't really get to enjoy the card. I felt that the fight, um, you know, between uh, Kaufman and Leslie Smith was incredibly competitive. Like I said, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, KJ Noons and Sam Stout, I thought was going to be similar to how Kaufman and Smith was. I thought they were going to go out there, stand and bang, and it was going to be a, a, a fight where they traded a lot. As it turns out, that was not the case. KJ Noons used a disgusting left. Um, actually, he used a, a, a huge, he hit him with a huge right, and then he dropped him with a, with a left on the ground. And Sam Stout was out cold. KJ Noons, you know, he's known for, for his boxing, but everybody felt that this fight was going to go, uh, not go the distance and they were going to go the full three rounds, but KJ Noons was not having it. He went out there, he stamped. A beautiful exclamation point on on this fight with a with a nasty nasty right hand. I was truly impressed with with the fight, and I was shocked. Not not that KJ News doesn't have knockout power. I just didn't expect the fight to end so viciously. Now, that was the last fight of the of the prelims on the main card. Akira Korosani, Dustin Poirier um, at featherweight was a solid fight. Dustin Poirier taking it with TKO in the second round. Um, Poirier looked really, really good. He, he came into the fight. I kind of want to say he came into the fight as a favorite. He looked really, really crisp. Uh, a lot of nasty strikes and submission attempts. Um, you know, when he was towards the end of the first round, he had almost gotten a Darce choke. He was trying for a Darce choke, which he then switched to a Peruvian necktie, which is a, a submission you don't see too often in MMA. I mean, the few times that you've seen it, usually it's a finisher. But he really, you know, he transitioned very nicely from the Darce choke to the Peruvian necktie, and overall, it, w- it was solid. Corisani definitely was in trouble, but he did survive, but it, w- it was all for naught because his survival in that first round was just the the um, the trail of tears, so to speak, to the, his loss in the second. Now, the Tough Nations finales, uh, Chad LaPrice and Olivier Aubin Mercier, uh, that was a welterweight final. Solid fight, you know, it was, it, it went the distance, and I kind of felt that, and this has been happening quite often with the finals, that these guys, they just go the distance, and um, they're not to say that they're playing it safe, but they're not being, they're not really going out there trying to make a statement. These guys, they just want to fight safe, get their contract, and then when once they get in the UFC, things change. I mean, Elias Theodoru was a completely different outcome in his fight against Sheldon Westcott, because that guy came in and he he was really trying to stamp stamp a, a, a huge mark on you know on his 
put it like this. He wanted to put a big stamp on that rocket that was going to take him into the organization, and he succeeded. I mean, his performance the entire season, because what I ended up doing was, you know, you watch the condensed season on YouTube, and Elias Theodoro definitely uh, showed shades of brilliance, even in the early episodes, even though he's a pretty boy, and, and you look at him, and you're kind of like, oh, another another pretty boy dude. But he, he, he definitely don't let the, the, the pretty boy looks and the, and, and the hair, you know, the CW style hair fool you because the guy goes out there and, and he definitely got the job done. I mean, in, um, in, when he secured it in the second round, he, he set it up with a really, really nasty elbow, at which point he jumped in, he took full mount and it was just dropping bombs on Sheldon Westcott. And pretty much that was it. He wasn't adequately defending ref jumped in and Elias Theodoro gets himself a contract from the UFC. So definitely solid. Of course, right after that, the coaches, uh, got into the octagon, Kyle Noak, Patrick Cote. Um, it's funny because Patrick Cote, wherever he goes, he always has the crowd behind him. And I've always felt that he's one of those guys at 170 that you really want him to be more successful than he is. And it's kind of gone that route but just not the way that you would think. I mean, in Noak's case, he's been in, um, you know, he's kind of been, not to say a journeyman, but he's always been treading water. He always has good performance, then he loses, then he has another good performance, then he loses. His career is definitely in waves. Uh, excuse me, Kyle Noak is, is in the same predicament. I think his, his, his performance on the show was solid. I mean, like I said, you watch the short version of the show to, to prepare in advance and he always looked like a good coach. There was really no personal animosity in this season, which I think is one of the things that kind of took away from it. This is what people were talking about with the Vanderlei and Chael season and that being relegated to fight pass because that season would have been the season that could have got people tuning in again on Spike TV. Of course, the new season just started with BJ Penn and Frankie Edgar. And again, that level of mutual respect, it's good. It gets people talking, but it's not on the same level as say, um, you know, Chuck and well, not Chuck Tito and Ken Shamrock or, you know, just that legitimate beef between two fighters while it does at like, and I've said this before, it detracts a little bit from the show. It's not on that same level as, you know, the, the, the instances where the, you know, the, the, the guys are, are genuinely cordial to each other. Like Kyle Noak, Patrick Cote, they were cordial. There was some competitiveness there, but it wasn't it really wasn't something on par with, like I said, like Tito and Ken or any of these more vicious beefs. Like even Ronda and Misha Tate was at that level to a degree. I think that in that, in that respect, that season worked the opposite just because it did uh, Ronda Rousey no favors. But again, um, Vanderlei and Chael, I felt was a misrepresented season because yeah, I understand you want to get people onto the fight pass, but that's a season where there's genuine animosity. Everybody's talking about it. And I'm sorry to say, but everybody's talking about it and people are talking about some of the fights, but all they're doing is just pulling up clips and playing it on YouTube because people don't want to pay the $10 for it. And this was going back to what me and Danny were talking about with the WWE network where, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to execute that. And, you know, I, I, I genuinely felt annoyed that that particular season, which I knew was going to get people watching was relegated to the fight pass. Hopefully uh, the season with the ladies uh, is is going to definitely step their game up. I mean, there's a lot of great personalities there. Plus, you know, you got El Nino and, of course, uh, Pretty Boy. You got Pretty Boy in there, uh, Showtime Pettis. And that's going to add a different dynamic because you got two guys who 
there's kind of some animosity there just because of the Caesar Gracie Jiu Jitsu camp and, and, you know, they're, they're pretty much beef with the entire world. And then you also have a lot of, uh, you know, talented women who they have their own beefs coming in as well from, you know, whether it's Invicta or beef on online that there's going to be some great storytelling there. And I think that's what the ultimate fighter needs at this point, because it's kind of, and I'm sorry to say it's getting a little stale. Our main event for the evening, Tim, Tim Kennedy and the returning Mike, Michael, the count Bisping, of course, Bisping coming back from a uh, real nasty eye injury. And it was funny because everybody thought, oh, Bisping's going to come in there. He's going to use his stand up. He's going to be able to neutralize Tim Kennedy's wrestling. Nope, 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 nope. That was not the case. On the contrary, Tim Kennedy landed some really, really nasty shots, but he also worked the double leg a lot in that fight. Really, really great work, especially in the first round. Just a lot of smother and a, and a lot of just great striking. He knew uh, Tim Kennedy definitely very smart in this fight. And, you know, you got to give uh, respect where respect is due for the, for the Ranger. He went out there and he gave it his all. And he couldn't finish Bisping, but Bisping could not finish him either. So, again, it was just a, a very solid performance by both guys. Uh, Tim Kennedy takes the fight via unanimous decision, but... You know, even though the crowd wasn't enthused at the outcome, these guys, they're not, to, neither guy is a tomato can. It's its just interesting because, you know, Bisping came back from this injury. He went in there and a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, what does the future hold for Bisping? Which I'm not going to say because I honestly think that there's, he, the, the guy needs at least two more fights under his belt before you start talking about should he or shouldn't he retire? Because the guy just came back from a, from a nasty injury. I'm sure he was a little tentative. And not only that, but Tim Kennedy's not a can. He's not a guy who's who's shitty in the ring, you know, and in the cage. Sorry, he's he's not a shitty fighter. He's he's very very good. And so far, he's trying to make a statement for himself at 185. And I think that a the, his performance again against Bisping definitely succeeded in moving him further up in the rankings. And who knows, maybe he'll get a a, a top tier opponent, and we may actually start seeing him in title contention. The problem is that middleweight, welterweight. Um, middleweight and welterweight primarily light heavyweight to a degree, but middleweight welterweight and any class under have way too many guys that are way too dangerous and way too talented. So it becomes a who's who of who you want to get in there. And then on top of it, you're adding to it. Uh, is this a fight that's going to make the organization money? Is this a fight that's not going to make the organization money? And this is what happened. So, you know, it's something you got to take into consideration as well. So with regards to that, overall, the card was pretty solid, minus, you know, some some issues, but nothing too crazy. Uh, with regards to the other news for this week, I kind of wanted to go into um, a, a couple of them. Uh, Ronda Rousey is uh, facing Alexis Davis. She has an opponent for UFC 175. Now, of course, UFC 175 is July 5th, which, like I said, is supposed to have Chris Weidman, Lyoto Machida, Chael, and Vanderlei. And Alexis Davis and Ronda. But the Chael and Vanderlei fight, once again, there's a problem. And I'll get into that later on in the segment. Um, I will say this, uh, on the Bellator side of things, uh, Bellator's pay-per-view, uh, you know, their jump to pay-per-view, which was uh, poorly done the last time, which ended up just becoming a free TV fight, um, is now pretty much starting to take shape. It's going to be Bellator 120, May 17th. And they got a couple of solid fights on there. Uh, Alexander Shlomenko uh, put a challenge out to Tito Ortiz. And Tito seems to have accepted the fight will be fought at 205. So uh, Alexander Shlomenko's belt will not be on the line. 
But this card as a whole is definitely taking shape as a pay-per-view quality card. Eddie Alvarez and Michael Chandler for the lightweight title. King Mo and Rampage is the light heavyweight tournament final. Tito Ortiz and Alexander Shlomenko also added to that card. Again, definitely uh, Bellator needs to add a couple of more, uh, not attention-getting fights, but fights that really want to make people part with their money on the pay-per-view side of things because, hey, it's it's a crowded market. You got you know a lot of free MMA, plus you got the UFC cards. You're going to need more than just Chandler and Alvarez to sell people because a lot of people just aren't familiar with Alvarez and Chandler. Let's call a spade a spade. People know Rampage. People know Tito. But you do see that neither one of their fights is a main event fight because, again, card subject to change is is the name of the game. When when well, Not so much with Rampage or King Mo, but when Tito's involved, he can wake up, crack his head on the door, say that, you know, his spleen fell out or that Jenna Jameson took his fight money and he'll bow out like this. And then once again, a card in jeopardy. Last week, I was talking about Jake Shields getting released by the UFC. Well, Jake Shields' unemployment did not last long as he was signed by World Series of Fighting. So there you go. Jake Shields has a new home with World Series of Fighting, which is great. You know, definitely, I feel Jake Shields still has a lot to offer the sport. Maybe he just needed a change of scenery to fully uh, embrace his potential. So we'll see what happens. We'll be following that very, very closely. Now, as I said earlier on, Vanderlei and Chael. Vanderlei and Chael, have, their fight has been pushed back, moved here, moved there for, for the longest time. And as, as troubling as it is, it looks like it may get moved again. Uh, as you all know, and I've shared videos of this, Vanderlei and Chael got into a legitimate fight during the filming of the Ultimate Fighter season where uh, the fight pretty much Chael kind of instigated it. I mean, not Chael didn't instigate it, sorry. Uh, Vanderlei kind of instigated it. He went, he swung at Chael. Chael shot in for a double leg takedown, took Vanderlei to the ground. Uh, they were exchanging blows on the ground. And then one of Vanderlei's assistant coaches got involved and he actually punched Chael a couple of times in the back of the head. But due to the incident that happened, Vanderlei actually injured his back. So he's going to have to postpone that fight with Chael. Uh, needless to say, the boss, Dana White, not happy at all with what's been going on between, you know, Vanderlei getting hurt and all the shit that's going on. You know, he got double leg. He got double leg. Well, he got hit with the double leg on concrete, basically, because it was in the gym floor. It wasn't anywhere near mats or anywhere near the octagon. It was on legit concrete. So, you know, the, the, the odds of injury are extremely high. And that's what ended up happening. He hurt his back, uh, Vanderlei. He also hurt his hand punching Chael in the head. And so, you know, it was, it was just a, a perfect storm of problems for this season. Even though it's a season full of craziness, um, it's starting to impact the future of their fight. And that's something that doesn't make the boss very happy. So there you have it, ladies and gents. It looks like Vanderlei and Chael may not happen July 5th and may need to happen later on in the year. Who knows if it even happens at all? We shall see what happens. Of course, as more develops, I will make sure to share the details with you guys. All right, so with that said, that's actually going to wrap up this week's MMA segment. Let's get into some wrestling. Uh, quite a bit happened this week. So without any further ado, Booker T, take it away. We want the gold, sucker. Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga.
My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWEShop.com. Use the promo code WWESAVE10 to save $10 on orders over $70 or more. Again, that promo code WWESAVE10. All right, so let's talk about Monday Night Raw, which, of course, had a fantastic tribute to the Ultimate Warrior, which was uh, it was it was heartbreaking. As soon as as soon as the show started, the entire roster was on the stage. Uh, Ultimate Warrior paint on the Usos, all the different shirts. It was just it was just a fantastic, fantastic display of camaraderie from everybody on the roster. And then you you factor in an awesome, awesome video package that they played for the Warrior. And, you know, the 10 bell salute definitely, you know, it, I, it definitely put a knot in the pit of my stomach just because it was it was, it, you know, it, to see something like that. And, and here's the crazy thing. Like we talk about wrestler deaths and and how it, they, they impact the fans. But when you see such a huge show of camaraderie and 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 how it affects just performers that we look at just on a consistent basis, it's it's crazy. I remember when when Eddie Guerrero passed away and and how emotional that broadcast was. I felt that the, that, that this broadcast was going to have that same magic. And it definitely did. There was a lot of great wrestling, a lot of, a lot of awesome homages to the warrior. And, um, like I said, the 10 bell salute definitely killed it for me. I was just, you know, like I said, I'm not a super emotional person with regards to that, but it, it, it was just sad to see like that, because like I said, we, we, especially if you're an eighties baby, or, or just somebody who's been following wrestling for a long time, you know, the warrior, you know, all the, all the stuff that that's happened with him and all the crazy stuff too. And it was funny because we got into a debate in my office about this, you know, me and a, and a couple of the guys that watch wrestling. And, um, one of the guys that works with me, he goes, yeah, you know, you see all these people out there and they're remembering the warrior and they're talking about all, all the great matches. He had all these great moments. And then he said, you know, he said, but these are the same people that 10 years ago were making fun of him because he changed his name to warrior warrior, or they were saying, or, you know, they were making fun of him because he was just a nutcase or whatever the case is. And, and it's funny because thinking about it, it's interesting that, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's all about when you die, you know, nobody wants to say nothing bad about you when you die. And in the warriors case, it was different because like, like I said, I watched, I watched him growing up in, in all, in all his different matches I, you know, when he made that, that, that weird run in, in, in TNA, was it TNA? Yeah. He did show up in TNA. I just, I just found it to be, it was weird, you know, like as far as I'm concerned, the ultimate warriors body of work has always been his WWE work. And, you know, it was, it was just crazy because you think about all the promos and all the stuff and then how he just, he just disappeared off the radar all those years ago. And I said to myself, you know, I'd rather just remember and acknowledge him as a performer than try and and sum up some crazy explanation about how I felt about him overall. And that's something that a lot of people just couldn't put into words. I mean, his wife put out a a, a beautiful open letter to the fans and to the and to w, you know WWE.com who published it, and it was it was crazy that she described so so much you know of their of their relationship in this, in this beautiful letter. And you read it and you say to yourself, you're like, damn, you know, you don't, you don't start to think of him to say what Danny was saying, what Danny DeMonto was saying earlier. You don't start to think of these individuals as performers, that larger than life aura. It kind of just fades away when you, you know, when you become so entrenched in them, in their lives, like 
in in the Ultimate Warrior's case, like when he did his Hall of his Hall of Fame speech, and you see his daughters up there with him, you you don't think to yourself, "Wow, you know, the Ultimate Warrior is a dad and you know a husband." You don't think about that stuff. What you're thinking about is, "Hey, this guy's gonna come out with crazy face paint, and he's gonna shake the ropes, and we're gonna have a good time." And it's and it's just like I said, you know, it paints a different picture. So to see the ten bell salute and all that, you know, you realize you're like, "Wow, this is not just a guy." who impacted so many lives over the years with his work. But this is a guy who was a, a family man, a dedicated family man, um, a husband. And as much as, as mainstream media, you know, Nancy Grace and, and all these, all these pundits wanted it to be something negative once again, because you know, bad news, it, 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 bad news travels fast. It gets ratings and people like it. It's, 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 it's something that's as old as time. They, everybody was chomping at the bit, all those pundits, to see that the warrior died from, you know, uh, steroids or a massive, you know, just, just something terrible that they can say, you see, you see what this, what this sport does to people. And that wasn't the case. You know, he had a, he had a cardiac event, um, you know, he he probably, you know, massive heart attack and, and he died and that was it. There was no, there was no roids. There was no, no drug abuse, nothing. You know, it was just that it was, it was, it was time to punch out and that was it. And, like I said, you, you view that and you look at you look at this performer and you say to yourself, damn, you know, this guy had kids and he was a husband and stuff. And like I, it, it, it paints a different picture. So for me to see that opener and, you know, like I said, I felt I, you know, I, I felt sad. I was like, damn, you know, it kind of sucks just because it's like you got you got two daughters without a father. You got a, a wife without a husband. And then you have millions of fans around the world who just who just started getting reacquainted with somebody from their past and they lose him like this it's it's crazy stuff man but overall the broadcast as as a whole was just it, there was good wrestling throughout of course the IC title tournament uh took place and as soon as you saw the graphics you can kind of you can kind of pluck out who was going to advance in this tournament um obviously as soon as I saw Rob Van Dam and Alberto Del Rio I knew Rob Van Dam was going to advance because I said to myself you're not going to bring RVD back and job him out right away. On the contrary, he came back. He had a he had a decent match with Del Rio. Pretty paint by numbers, but it you know it, it was what it was. Uh, Cody Rhodes and Goldust took on Rybaxel in a, in a match that I kind of felt was it it, it kind of felt forced and rushed. But in terms of storytelling, as always, Goldust goes out there and he gets the job done. From that standpoint, I felt that the match did mesh a little better than expected, but in terms of just the overall full match, I felt something was definitely missing. I felt to a degree it was a little rushed. Page was in action, of course, after winning the belt from Divas champion AJ Lee. Um, you know, we knew we were going to be seeing her on TV this week. They put her in there with Alicia Fox in a, in a pretty... Pr- I don't want to say it was a subpar match because it wasn't, but I've always felt that Alicia Fox's work rate leaves something to be desired. But uh, Paige definitely looked uh, fantastic in this match. She she kind of played the face in peril in the early going, but then her her comeback and her beautiful Scorpion crosslock submission uh, definitely got the crowd hype, and it showed a different dimension to Paige as a performer. I mean, you see you're seeing a lot of her stuff in NXT, and you're looking it up on YouTube. But this is the big time now, and with that, you're gonna realize that. You're going to need to go out there and have a three minute match or, or a five minute match. So you got to condense it and work the style 
that gets people more invested in you. And I think AJ, you know, AJ Lee was really good at that. And I think Paige is going to be um, a worthy successor, especially with what's been said that AJ is going to be taking some time off. I think that Paige being champion at this point really, really does pay off. So the Usos took on Batista and Randy Orton. Of course, at first glance, you automatically expect it to be a squash. And to a degree, it was going in that direction. But what I liked was that the Shield got involved and it kept the Usos strong. It didn't have the, it didn't allow them to be jobbed out fully. And it kind of also raises an interesting question with regards to Orton and Batista maybe challenging for the tag team titles. Could happen. I think that that's a, an interesting direction they can go in. But of course, the Shields' involvement was a no-brainer at this point. Um, Paul Heyman's segment, uh, his segment for Cesaro. Of course, Cesaro still has no theme music, but I'm sure they're going to come up with something for him. Uh, Paul Heyman continues to deliver four-star promos, and I think for Cesaro, it's equally effective as it is for Brock Lesnar. And not only that, but Cesaro delivered a beautiful match with Mark Henry. I'm talking about. Uh, really, really great spots, really great shows of strength. I really like the, uh, the psycho crusher, uh, European uppercut that he does off the ropes. Really cool. Love that spot. And I like the fact that he got Mark Henry with the neutralizer again, uh, because again, it kind of capitalizes on his strength and it looked really impressive. Super, super awesome, uh, performance from both guys. Mark Henry, always a solid worker in there, looked really good with Cesaro and, I think Cesaro, if he continues to have performances like this, is going to move up the card very, very quickly. Everybody says, yeah, Cesaro is going to be main eventing, uh, you know, within the year. I think it's going to be in less time than that because he's already in the IC title contenders tournament. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins the IC title. Could happen. And that would be another stepping stone for him. And who knows? He may add a little bit of prestige to the belt. So we shall see how that unfolds. Alexander Rusev brought his squashing of Xavier Woods from NXT to WWE as he pretty much murder death killed Xavier Woods in his match. Of course, Xavier Woods, a friend of ours, Consequences Creed, uh, severely underutilized talent. I felt in Rusev's case, I understand it because you're trying to get him over. So he's got to go out there and kill people dead. Uh, R-Truth getting involved was was icing on the cake because you knew Rusev was going to either whoop his ass on Monday or in the near future and that truly was the case overall in terms of making a statement for rusev it was as good as could be now sheamus and jack swagger surprised me because i thought oh you know jack swagger is going to be on the winning end and it'll lead to the eventual match with antonio cesaro i was definitely surprised to see sheamus get the victory very very hard fought and um It really surprised me. I was like, wow, it's not Jack Swagger getting the bump. But in either case, Sheamus definitely looked, he looked solid in there with Swagger. But I thought in terms of storytelling, they might have moved Swagger up into uh, the second round so him and Cesaro could face off. But who knows? I'm sure we're going to get another match between those two in the near future. Slick says Swagger is on his way down for the moment. I, I kind of disagree because I feel that Zeb Coulter is going to get another guy to pair with him and that'll kind of keep him in the limelight for the time being. But to give a little, to give validity to, to what you're saying, if they take Zeb away from Jack Swagger, that's that. Cause Zeb Coulter's really the, the icing on the cake that helps Swagger stay relevant. 
If you take Zeb away from that equation, Jack Swagger is as good as as dead at that point because he he while his wrestling is good, his promo skills leave a lot to be desired. He needs a manager, at least for the foreseeable future. Sandow got jobbed out to the big show, which whoop the fucking do. Uh, definitely one of the lower points. I was a little bummed out to see Damian Sandow get jobbed out just because this is a guy that still has a tremendous amount of work rate in him to offer the company and to have him just get murdered out there on a, on, on a consistent basis bums me out. But of course we switch gears and, you know, John Cena and the Wyatt family have a nice little exchange and that redeems, um, Damian Sandow getting, getting buried, so to speak. Um, I really feel that the Wyatt family continue to impress week in and week out. Bray Wyatt continues to uh, add u- more uniqueness to his promo work. And even his feud with John Cena, it's not your typical run-of-the-mill feud. And I liked what Bray Wyatt said with regards to John Cena always approaching everything as a joke. I like that because I've talked about this before. I'm always frustrated when John Cena takes a takes a, a match and and he just automatically takes a feud and makes a makes a gag out of it. I said to myself, you know, we really we really need something more not not more abrasive, but we just need something more engaging from John Cena and I think that his usual shtick actually worked because Bray Wyatt was able to take that and spin that around and kind of put it on its head a little bit and he said it. he's like you think everything's a joke and you know, when I whoop your ass it's not going to be a joke anymore. And of course, this set up the whole uh, steel cage match, which of course is going to go down in extreme rules. But I think this is where Wyatt will get his win back after giving the win to Cena at Mania. And you know what? I think it's fitting. You Bray Wyatt needs that in order to keep the momentum going. Plus, you can always get a rubber match, and it's going to be it's going to be a really really good match. Ah, Santino and Emma and Fandango and Layla. Of course, we all know that Prissy Hen got kicked to the curb, and uh, Fandango and Layla are your new dynamic duo of dance. And um, I don't think Fandango's worse off because of it. I think him and Layla have good chemistry. Layla, obviously, uh, her dance background really helps. And it kind of keeps Layla relevant. I think that when she came back, she was just kind of lost in the shuffle of the Divas division. And... This actually kind of brings her, it brings her back up there. I really felt that it gets her, it gets her in there. And Emma's a a good worker. I think that, like I said, I'm not a fan of the whole Santino gimmick. I'm really not. But I think that, that Emma and Layla have good chemistry. I just don't want to continue seeing this match week in and week out. That's all I'm saying. Definitely don't want to see that. Dolph Ziggler and Bad News Barrett was, in my opinion, one of the matches of the night. Um, Dolph Ziggler always continues to go out there and impress. Definitely one of the guys that should be on everyone's radar in terms of just work rate and great matches. And Barrett, uh, every week, it, it, it's something new. You start seeing a little bit more connection with the audience. You start seeing a little bit more uh, theatricality in his finisher. I do I do think that that Barrett... Given given another year is going to be a guy that's going to definitely be championship caliber. Um, Ziggler, like I said, I don't know who he pissed off. I don't know whose feathers he ruffled, but you know I'm tired of seeing him get get his ass whooped every week. Um, I, hopefully they'll, they'll they'll get something for Ziggler because I just feel he's being incredibly underutilized. Now 
Of course, the semifinals are Cesaro versus Rob Van Dam and Sheamus versus Barrett. Now, a couple of things can come out of this. Uh, Cesaro and RVD can yield an awesome match. And I almost smell Rob Van Dam going for a frog splash and Cesaro popping up and catching him with a European uppercut. Or it could be RVD missing the splash and getting hit with the uh, Cesaro swing. Either way, I definitely see a nasty spot in RVD's future. As for Sheamus and Wade Barrett, you can kind of toss that either way because both guys are, are you know, they're, they're strong. I don't want to say they're strong style, but they're definitely brawlers. So you can kind of pick and choose at that point. Obviously, if you wanted Cesaro to have, uh, you know, a genuine face and heel match, you'd have Cesaro and Sheamus. But I, I kind of want to see Barrett and Cesaro because I've never really seen those guys work together. And I, I feel that there's something there. There might be magic there in terms of just a great memorable match. We shall see what happens. I, I mean, like I said, uh, Slick says, I'm calling it that Big E loses at Extreme Rules. You know what? I, I would, if he loses it to Cesaro, I think that would make, that would probably make the most sense. But who knows? Could be proven wrong. So, of course, earlier on in the night, the Shield were booked into a match. Their opponents were to be, you know, were to be determined. And needless to say, it was pra- not not the entire Raw roster, but a majority of the heels that you saw throughout the night. Del Rio, Jack Swagger, Fandango, uh, 3MB, Titus O'Neil, Rybaxel, Rusev, and Bad News Barrett, which, of course, led to what I kind of felt was the direction they were going, and that was the reformation of evolution. Now, of course, throughout the night, they were teasing, uh, WW, you know, WWE was teasing Triple H and Batista and Orton getting back together. And, uh, when it backfired, when they kind of turned their back on Triple H and try to go at it alone, and, and, you know, the foreshadowing was there, but not for nothing when that evolution music hit. Like I said, I, I, I marked out a little bit only because one of the things about evolution that was interesting was the fact that you had a uh, real real star making potential in that entire faction now you're probably asking yourself all right evolution came back what now if they were smart they would put someone new in evolution evolution always you know it was flair triple h batista and orton you had those four individuals now let's say they're not going to use flair but if they were smart I would actually have Flair's daughter, Charlotte, be part of Evolution. I think it would be a unique twist because then you have the dirtiest diva in the game, which by proxy involves Ric Flair. Then you have two guys that can go after your ta- either your tag team belts or your secondary titles, plus you got your main event guy. I really feel that that's something that, that a lot of factions are lacking in the sense that you always need your main, your your co-main, slash tag teams and a diva and i don't think that they're using that as much as they used to i think that formula worked really well with like right to censor um e- even the straight edge society with cm punk you know when he had that it really worked and i think it's a it's a dynamic that's missing nowadays with a lot of factions and if they were smart you you could do something like that with rick flair's daughter have her come up she can she can have uh, you know, she can have her moments with Paige and the rest of the divas, but you also have that, that, you know, third, you know, third generation blood in there. You know, you have that, 
that third, fourth generation family member that you can kind of reference. I think it works, and um, that's that's how you got to do it. Slick says Triple H needs to not be in that faction in a wrestling capacity as much as he can still do it. His time is over. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take what Slick said and I'm gonna I'm gonna paint a different picture for a second. How about if you take Triple H and you make him what Ric Flair was, and then you add three other individuals? Again, you can still add somebody new. The problem is that Triple H still needs to be in there because there's always that belief that Triple H needs to carry the ball. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think he needs to be player coach all the time. I think that the current incarnation of Evolution can can be tweaked a little bit just for preparation. I also feel that if you wanted to do something different, you can add another member to the Shield and also add a Diva. I've always felt that adding a, a, a female to the Shield would have would surprise people. I think it would be very interesting to see, uh, you know, a woman come out there as soon as the Hounds of Justice come out, and you know, a woman come out there with the black vest and the black pants and the boots, and just go in there and put the boots to to a to a diva. I think it would just be a unique twist. It would be something very very different. Now, for the time being, Evolution is going to be what it is. You know, Triple H, Batista, and Orton. But like I said, it might be interesting to see them go in that direction and maybe bring up either a, a new rookie from NXT or even a, um, you know, even bring up, like I said, Ric Flair's daughter. Now, Slick says Tamina would could be the female S.H.I.E.L.D. member. You know what's funny about that? That would not be a bad idea. You know, Tamina, she works that strong style. She has that look. She has that toughness obviously, and I think it would be effective in terms of just neutralizing that sort of a threat, you know, neutralizing the Stephanie McMahon threat or neutralizing anybody else. I think it would definitely work and it would give Tamina something to do. And it would also allow her to be part of something bigger. But again, this is all armchair booking and it's what we'd like to see, but evolution definitely needs someone new to throw in the mix. And and in turn, I think even even with the shield, you know. Now Slick says that she's going to be the next Divas champ. Uh obviously, you know, Tamina won the Battle Royal and she's going to be challenging for the Divas title. Now, the thing about that is that Tamina won the Battle Royal because AJ is taking time off, so by proxy you want to give it to Tamina cuz, you know, she's the next best thing to AJ, quote unquote, to challenge Paige for the title. While I do think she's going to be a threat to Paige. I don't think they're going to give her the belt right away because they they use Paige as the, you know, the measuring stick and you got to give Paige time to to rebuild that division. And that's what you got to do. You have Paige, you have Emma, you have Summer Rae. You want to kind of reestablish that division before giving it to the Taminas or the Natalias or the Bella Twins. So while while you know, there's definitely a title opportunity in her future. I don't think she's going to get it right away because it would derail what they did with Paige. Now, Slick says they're not going to utilize Paige properly. That remains to be seen. I mean, bringing her up from NXT and, ha- and having her be the, the upset queen was a promising start. I'm not going to say that she's going to be utilized poorly because we've only seen her in essence in two matches. So. For the time being, I'm just going to reserve judgment and watch it closely. Yeah. 
Slick says she will lose it at Extreme Rules or I will buy you dinner. All right. I mean, it's it's fine. I'm not I'm not I'm not putting any any sort of a gamble on it, but if 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 you if you want to if you want to stick to it, by all means, sir, the floor is yours. All right. So, Raw as a whole, like I said, even though it had a, you know, a a saddened a sad vibe around it in terms of honoring the Ultimate Warrior. We had some really good wrestling. We had some good angle advancement, and we saw a lot of promising developments from all the call-ups thus far. Rusev looked pretty solid. Paige looked good in there. Uh, Emma, you know, she she's going to continue to develop, and um, you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be a, a very very interesting couple of months with all the participants and all the people that are getting called up. So. Uh, obviously as more develops i will share it with you guys all right so let's talk about the other wrestling news for the week which were there there were quite a few um first and foremost we got to talk about uh tna and their lack of being re-signed by spike tv their deal as of right now has not been renewed um a lot of people are concerned about this because obviously spike tv is uh, a big motivator and a big factor behind TNA's success. And because TNA hasn't renewed as of yet, a lot of people allegedly are nervous. Now, as I mentioned uh, last week and the week prior, TNA is going to be doing some shows here in New York uh, the last week of June. Hopefully I can get out there to see one or two of them because they are happening the same week that I'm covering CE week. So hopefully I'll be able to, to do a little bit of multitasking and do CE week plus go and see TNA live. If I do, I will keep you guys posted with regards to that. But it's it's a very, very interesting time for TNA and also a very ominous time because like I said, they're really starting to improve their product. But if they don't have an endorsement from Spike TV or a TV deal, their their you know their odds of being successful the remainder of the of the year start to shrink quite a bit. So this bit of news that I heard about, I'm, I'm, if it's true, I'm very, very excited for. Um, a lot of you may know Lisa Marie Varon. Uh, some of you may know her as Tara and TNA or Victoria in WWE, but it looks like she is, de- you know, she is bound to head back to WWE as a trainer. As of right now, they're saying that they want to bring her in to work with Sarah Del Rey to train, uh, the divas of the future. And I honestly think that that is a very, very good idea. Uh, when Victoria was in the WWE, she had great matches with every with every diva on the roster. Her run in TNA, even though she was misused, she had a lot of great matches there as well. And I think she has a lot of wisdom and skills that she can impart to the divas of the future. So I'm hoping that that is a legit pickup and she does come on board. One TNA star who we won't be seeing again besides uh Victoria of course is Chris Sabin. If you guys remember Chris Sabin had a pretty cool run uh a couple of months back. He was feuding with Velvet Sky. He had this big German chick with him. Everything was hunky dory. Well, PW Insider is reporting that Chris Sabin is done with the company after the one night only pay-per-view tapings. From what's been said, TNA offered Sabin a new contract which was lower than what he used to make. Kind of what they did with AJ Styles, and the offer was too low, and Saban turned it down. So there you have it. Chris Saban, free agent. As much as I'd love to see Chris Saban in WWE, I knew he'd he'd probably get jobbed out in a heartbeat, but I do think Chris Saban is an incredibly talented wrestler, 
And the fact that TNA dropped the ball with him, much like they've done with their other veterans, is very, very troubling. So as I mentioned when I was uh, speaking with Danny DeMonto earlier, uh, WrestleMania was viewed by 1 million U.S. households. Definitely a big milestone for the WWE Network. Of course, um, the network aired February 24th, and WrestleMania week was ultra successful to the point where, in terms of measuring bandwidth, WWE is starting to get up there in terms of being one of the companies that is using a lot of internet bandwidth, joining such companies as Netflix and Hulu. So very, very interesting for sure. Now, of course, I did want to talk about um, Darren Young's injury. A lot of people were speculating that Darren Young had got injured, and then a lot of people were saying that he was disputing that. But it turns out that Mr. No Days Off is Mr. No ACL. Uh, he tore his ACL and will need surgery. He tore it during a live event this past Saturday. And that's, you know, it's unfortunate. Darren Young was riding a pretty decent wave of momentum. Now he's got to be shelved for a couple of months due to his injury. I wish him a speedy recovery. I do think that Darren Young it still has a lot to offer the company. And I think that if utilized correctly, he's going to be a great mid Carter in the near future. All right. so. Let's talk about Brock Lesnar real quick before we wrap up this week's wrestling segment. A lot of people are saying that Brock Lesnar, you know, he broke the streak and he's going to take some time off as usual. But the question is, what's he going to do when he comes back? Well, a lot of people, including the Wrestling Observer, are reporting that when Lesnar comes back around SummerSlam, he will be challenging Daniel Bryan for the World Heavyweight Championship. Very, very interesting news. You can take it with a grain of salt for the time being, but uh, the Beast versus the Underdog, definitely a good David versus Goliath matchup. And I think if done right and booked properly, you can actually stretch that feud out for the, for, for the next couple of months, especially if Brock Lesnar agrees to more dates, because that's the problem too. You can't do too much because Brock Lesnar's contract is so limited. Plus, there's always the big specter of Lesnar and Cesaro having a fallout as well. And and that opens up another outlet and another avenue of matches. But I will say this, Lesnar and Daniel Bryan, from a pure wrestling standpoint, may be a, a, a decent match to have. And not for nothing, Daniel Bryan being champion, I love it. And, and you know, if he loses it and gets it back, it's a great story. But you can't just take the guy that broke the streak and kind of sweep him under the rug. I don't think that that's something that's going to be very effective in the long term. On the contrary, I think that if you go that route, you run the risk of sullying uh, what you did with The Undertaker and pretty much just sweeping that accomplishment under the rug. So with regards to that, I do think that Lesnar definitely needs to be involved in something bigger going forward. This is the guy that broke the streak. You can't have him out there feuding with with you know he has to be after the belt or he has to be in the title picture because otherwise like i said breaking the streak becomes worthless but as i said it's it's one of those things he's right now SummerSlam is where they're looking for him to be come back that means that he won't be at extreme rules or payback or money in the bank or battleground so you got four pay-per-views out of the way that are not going to have a Brock Lesnar presence. So keep that in mind. And obviously SummerSlam, if if he comes back and say he wins the belt from Brian at SummerSlam and he holds it till 
let's say, Survivor Series and maybe Daniel Bryan wins it back or Lesnar loses it to someone else. Then you can have Daniel Bryan win the Rumble like everybody wanted him to do this year and you can have him back in the main event. So again, a lot of different directions they go, but don't get annoyed or upset if there's a chance that Lesnar may become WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Just saying, don't let it annoy you because it's probably part of a bigger plan. All right, so that is going to wrap up this week's wrestling segment. Let's get into some gaming news. I'm shocked that we're making such good time, but you know what? Let's keep that momentum going. Let's talk game, shall we? All right, so on the gaming side of things, a lot a lot of stuff is uh a lot of stuff's going on. I want to talk MPD numbers. Uh Slick is going to be joining us and I'm going to bring him in momentarily, which will allow me to also uh get some MPD numbers put together and we can discuss that. So, let me bring him in and he can uh give me the assist on this week's gaming segment. Slick, are you there? Yeah, man. What's up? Hey, brother. What's going on? How much, man? Can you can you believe, dude, that I had a short on that line and oh, I thought it fried the laptop, dude. I almost had a stroke. <laughs> well, thank God it didn't, because seems like every week like, is something. We, we've been able to blame blog talk, blog talk radio, radio this be the one time we couldn't blame them. No, definitely could not. Blog Talk Radio's been working. Like I said, we've been, you know, the 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 technical issues with the brand new sound card were were a separate annoyance, all the all their own. But um. I actually, I'm, I'm glad you called in because I actually wanted to talk to you about a couple of things. I'm sure you heard my opening monologue about Xbox Live and um, what's been going on with that and, and the fact that it was affecting me purchasing an Xbox One, which um, it, it may be happening sooner rather than later. Now, what I, wanted to, what I wanted to ask you was the Xbox One at Best Buy still, and I thought that they maybe they didn't change it or they messed up. Still running at four forty nine with a game. I mean, it's fifty dollars more now than the PlayStation Four. Not terrible, but not you know not not great, but not terrible either. How do you how do you feel about Is the, you know the game still Titanfall? Yeah, Titan. I actually asked. I was like, hey man, if I buy the Titanfall bundle, do I still get it for four forty nine? And the guy was like, yeah, because they have three bundles. There's you know the regular system. Then there's some of the, there's some that are being bundled with Forza, and then there's some that are bundled with Titanfall. Well, I definitely think if they they're um if they if for the time being there's a price drop which is unheard of at this early, but I think anybody who's looking to get a, a Xbox One should jump on it. Yeah, dude, fifty bucks you get two games. A game with it, you're saving. Over a hundred dollars. Yep. And um, like I said, I, I never had anything bad per se to say about the Xbox One. It's just that right now it's not for me personally. Right. I just, you know what it is. But, I, I mean, good. 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 Uh, good. I was just saying, if you're getting it, definitely. It, it's if you can get it the best buy for four fifty. Like I said, it's time to jump on it. Well, that's what it was. I said okay. to him, well, I, I was using the measuring stick, and this is what I've told you before, of where I can gauge at least two games, maybe three games tops that I want to play. 
So I thought about it and I was like, you know what, on the PlayStation 4, yeah, I can I can play Infamous, I can play, you know, I can play any of the games that have come out, but they're not you know, no no disrespect to Infamous, but Infamous isn't making me want to run out and buy the console. You get what I'm saying? Yes. So, so, you know, with Xbox One, I'm like, you know, I like Killer Instinct. You know me, I love all the fighting games. I'm like, fuck, so I could get Killer Instinct, which, yeah, you know, they're nickel and diming you, but I just, I'd get the game and, and just buy the, whatever it is, the $30 version, because it's still cheaper than any other game, and it is next gen, you know? You're still getting a next gen game for 40 bucks or whatever it is with the full season. So, well, it, while, while it is, it is something that, that has an asterisk, it's still a game I want to play. And Titanfall, I want to play just because everybody talks about, oh, how great it is and et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, I want to see if it's, if it's worth all the, all the praise and all the hype. And the fact that in essence, you get it for free isn't such a bad thing, you know? No, it, it's absolutely great. Like I said, the, my only issue with Titanfall, the reason why I'm not running out to play it is because I hate, and I'm saying hate. You know, I don't use that word. Nope. I hate the fact that if I wake up at 2 in the morning, I can't just turn on my Xbox One, which, you know, I don't own one, but I can't just turn on an Xbox One and play it by myself. No, it's I true. love the fact that you know, I can play with people all over the world. I know people all over the world, but I can't play it. I literally cannot play it by myself. If I don't feel like dealing with you or dealing with Dark Helmet or dealing with anybody, mm -hmm. I still have to play that game online. Well, you want to know? I can't stand that fact. Well, you want to know what's funny? I um, I had a chance to see the 360 version of it. And, you know, a lot of people have been pissed off because... You know, they, they delayed the 360 version, they delayed it, they delayed it, because they wanted people to pick up the Xbox One version, and when you see the game, you go, it's, 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 let's not, let's not sugarcoat it, let's not bullshit, dude, it's the same game. It's the same fucking game. But, what gets me is the fact that, why didn't you just say, Titanfall is coming out on PlayStation, on, on Xbox One, deal with it, you know? Like, think about it. Infamous Second Son came out. It came out on PlayStation 4, and that was it. There was no, oh, yeah, we're going to give you a PS3 version. Nope. It was, yo, buy the shit. You want to play the game? Buy the shit. And I kind of felt that, that Xbox, not that they shot themselves in the foot, but when they said, oh, yeah, you know, 360 owners can play the game, too. Why would you do that? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's great for I people that... That for it, 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 you know, because in essence, you're competing against yourself at that point, you yep. know, and that shit, that shit just doesn't I fly. I even think putting it out on PC was stupid. Well, putting it out on PC in a way kind of showed it kind of showed Microsoft their ass in the sense that you put it on a PC, you know, PC master race guys in full effect. They're going to build these awesome PCs and then they're going to run the game at full capacity and then it's just going to blow the console out of the water. So then you're going to look at it and be like, fuck, you know, I built this PC, which is going to be a multi-purpose device and look at this game. And then you play it on the on the, on the console and you're like, oh, you know, it's, it, look, it doesn't look as good. Now, again, me using that as an example is a poor case because when you want to play a game and you want to play it on a console, you're going to play it. You know what I mean? Like the PC thing just uh, affects me and it bothers me because when you did that, you set yourself up for people saying, look how good it looks on the PC better than your $500 next gen paperweight. 
and that's a problem. And it's one of the reasons why I said I think it was stupid to put it out on PC, and I'm trying to check this as I'm saying it because I don't know with, with Titanfall, but a lot of these games that are coming out that are multi-platform, I don't know what the issue is with the Xbox One, but take, let's say, Call of Duty, for example. Runs at 1080p on the PS4. Runs at the oddest number ever. Yep. 900p yep. on the Xbox One. And a lot of games are experiencing the same thing. I'm like, is 900p bad? No, but not 1080p, and that's what everybody wants. That is what everybody that's, wants. I mean, but how do you have a quote-unquote next-gen console that's running in games not at 1080p? You it know, doesn't you, even make any sense. Well, here, here here's a couple of things, and and this isn't this isn't meant to to dispute your argument or or paint it in a negative light, but people talk about 1080p, 240 hertz, 4K. Half of these motherfuckers don't know what they're talking about. You get what I'm saying? Like, like you can show somebody three TVs side by side, one at 60 hertz, one at 120 hertz, one and you know a, a 60 hertz 720 and a 1080p, you know, tw- uh, 120 hertz. And to to most people that are just regular couch potatoes, they they have no fucking clue. You get what I'm saying? Coupled with the fact. That when you look at Xbox One or whatever, oh, it's 900p. But it's like, does the picture look next? Does it look good? Does it look realistic? You get what I'm saying? Like people, people are splitting hairs. Like, oh, it's not full 1080p. It's like, it's like, are you playing the shit on a 60 inch TV or, or, or 55 and higher? Cause if you're playing that shit on a 32 inch TV, guess what the fuck that means? You're not gonna see shit. So stop the elitist bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, if you told me, hey, Rich, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run a hundred inch projector in my living room starting next month. And you told me, dude, Titanfall is 900p. I'd be like, damn, slick, that sucks. Cause you're, you know, you're running a hundred inch fucking, sc- you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's weight to the argument. Like, not only that, but people are expecting all this stuff. The system hasn't been out that long. They haven't mastered all the ins and outs of it yet. They haven't really pushed it to its limit. And we talked about this a couple of episodes back, if you remember, about people citing all this stuff. And I said, and I'm like, yo, developers are still learning how to play in this sandbox. Give them time. And the only thing I would say to that is it doesn't make sense just because of where Microsoft is coming from. Right. They're coming from the 360, which... Had a wave of momentum. By default, it it wasn't originally a quote-unquote HD console because initially it only had the 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 component connectors. It didn't have, you know, again, quote-unquote true HD, and then they put the HDMI port in it, and you had games running at 1080p on the 360, and the same game was running at 720p on the PS3 in a lot of situations. Not always, but in a lot of situations. And now you go from the 360 to the Xbox One, which is a native H, no, HD console, and the games aren't running at 1080. Again, like you said, ultimately, do the games look good? Absolutely. Yep. 
That's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to really say anything bad about the console. Oh yeah, I'm not trying I just to. Don't I don't fucking get it. I'm not trying. Trust me. I'm, and that, to say that they, they, they the, 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 um, the devs, you know, are having problems working with the console. That's the fucking problem they have with the PS3. So, what the fuck did Microsoft do? Why did they, you know, like you said earlier, shoot themselves in the foot and make this shit so hard to code for? Well, it's not when well, they saw that this was the problem with the PS3. Well, the coding coding is something that you can reference, but I also felt that it was just a rush to get out to to get out in front. You know what I mean? In other words, oh, here's the system. I, the developers, let's say, let's say they put the system out in November. Let's say the developers had a six month to one year lead time to develop games for the system. Maybe they had two years. Let's say they had two year lead time. Even in two years, you're still not scratching the surface. There's no better example than God of War on, on PlayStation 4. How many years did it take to reach that level? Let's take, let's take Uncharted 3. How many years did it take for people to go, wow? Right? Well, in terms of the first party developers, it didn't take all that long, but but it took long, you know? You're right. I mean, God of War 3 came out late into the, the life of the, the mm-hmm. people. I can't say the life, but they're still alive. But, right. And, and games are still getting better. Correct. But, like, it seems that, you know, the, the PS3, which suffered for most of its, you know, original run, the PS3 and the PS4, it's like, it seems like now's their time, and now it's time for Microsoft to suffer. And I mean, I don't want that. I mean, I want I want both both systems to be really good to to make me want to have all these consoles in my. I house. agree. I I want com- I want competition. I want to feel. I want to see the fight. You know, I want to see the console war unfold. The problem with that is the fact that you're 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 running the risk of at the end of the day. It's all a matter of you're going to get the same results. It's just two different mediums delivering it. You get what I'm saying? Like everybody's fighting for which console is going to be better. And we talked about this, but at the end of the day, it's going to be the same games with few, with few deviations. You know, in other words, if you're going to play Titanfall, you can only play it on Xbox one for now. You know, they might turn around next year and go, well, Titanfall two is going to be multi-console done. Then what? Titanfall Two is going to be multi-console. Yeah, but you get what I'm saying. Like Uncharted, like you know that Uncharted is going to be a PlayStation-only game. So, with that said, you know that all right, I got to have a PlayStation because I like the Uncharted series. Halo, Halo, right. strictly Xbox. You're going to say shit. I'm a I'm a Halo fan. I need to have an Xbox to play Halo. You get what I'm saying? Like there's there's a level there's a level where you have to look at the systems and understand that. Within the next two years, it's going to be pretty much a dead heat. And the only success is going to be measured on, on the games that are sold. Like, everybody's like, oh, well, you know, this console sold this many numbers. Yeah, that's great. But whoop de doo It doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? It's not like the console is going to, the, the fa- uh, console is going to fail and the company's going to go out of business, you know? Right. There's no, there's no merit there. And that's what I'm saying. Like, like right now, you know, the games are running at whatever, 900p. 
It's like if you're playing it on your 32 inch television in your basement, what what are you what are you noticing? Oh, the frame rate is poor. Shut up. The frame rate. You know, look at this frame rate, man. Look at these jaggies. How are you seeing jaggies, Jagoff? How are you seeing that on a thirty-two inch TV? If you told me, yo, I'm playing this game on a seventy on a seventy-two inch TV and I got screen tearing and jaggies, I'd be like, shit, dude, that kind of sucks. Shut up. It's not happening. It's not happening. Like I like. Like, this is where, like, I read a lot of these message boards, like, like the whole thing about, you know, it not being full 1080p. The, the first question I ask is, how big is your TV? Oh, 42, shut up. That's my answer. How big is the TV? Four, shut up. Shut your face. Oh, how big is yours? Oh, 62. All right, now we're talking. Now, now, I, you may speak, sir. You may speak. The floor is yours. But it's like, it's like, how big? How big is your TV? Oh, twenty seven. Shut the get the fuck out of here. Do that, man. Exactly. Ooh. That's exactly <laughs> it. And that and that's what I'm saying. Like when you tell me, hey man, nine hundred p. I know you got a big ass TV. I know. You know, I would. We wouldn't be friends if that wasn't the case. You know what I'm saying? But you know, you know that if you look at it at, at the screen and the picture doesn't look good, it's it's three things. Either your TV's poorly calibrated, which can happen. Or the game is just done terribly, which can happen. Or you're just, you know, you're just, you're just spending too much time not enjoying the game. You get what I'm saying? Those are your three factors. Either your setup is shit, the game looks like shit, or you're just too hung up on the game to not even enjoy it. And this is what I said before. We played a game with a fucking plumber stepping on turtles that looked like a sprite. And we still do. Yeah, but think about the original Mario Brothers on Nintendo. Like, go back and you look at it. You're just like, wow, this was advanced for its time. Now you look at you blow that up on a 72 inch television and it looks like a blip running across the screen. You're like, what is that? It's Mario. Really? Why do you think I, why do you think there's so many guys that I know that keep their tube TVs? And I go, dude, why'd you, why, why do you have that big ass TV there? Hey, man, this is what I play Super Mario 64 on. I'm like, why don't you play it on that brand new OLED screen you got? Uh, cause it looks shitty. <laughs> it's like what? And that's what it is. You know what? It's not even because it looks shitty. It's because it looks shitty to the point that makes it hard to play. Because Nintendo could come out tomorrow and say, "Fuck you." The next Mario game is gonna be eight bit. Yep. I bet you that motherfucker will still sell like fucking hotcakes. Absolutely. It will still sell because you know what it is? People still, people, people that play Nintendo games aren't hung up on, well, we are hung up on graphics, but we're not hung up on graphics to the point where it takes away our enjoyment of the game. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. The game is always going to be fun. You're always going to want to play Mario. You're always going to want to play Mega Man. You're always going to want to play uh, Legend of Zelda because those games, they just have something else, something deeper, something more tangible. That's going to add a different story to the equation, you know? I, I definitely hear you, man. I just, I just, you know, I'm tired of that argument that people are talking about. Like, like right now, let, like what I said, the price, if, if, if we're going with what I've been seeing, it is only $50. 50 And with that said, 
with the $50 price difference, it really at that point just boils down to what games do you want to play? Like $100, definitely noticeable. $100, definitely. $50, negligible. Because if you go and buy it in a store that you don't have to pay tax, you're only really stuck paying 50 extra bucks. It's it's definitely negligible, and I think the reason why it's still slow forty nine isn't any kind of mistake. I think Microsoft is told, you know, Best Buy at the very least to do it because they're trying to they're they're in the same spot that Sony was in back in two thousand and let's say seven, right? And they they don't like being in second place because. I just saw earlier on Google Plus, Sony made it very clear that the NPD numbers are out, and in March they outsold the Xbox One in terms of consoles. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna definitely get into that. We're gonna get into that. So definitely save that. But I I will say I will say Sorry this. No, it's fine. I will say this, and 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 if and if you happen to go out there, wander into into Westbury Best Buy, and you'll see it's four forty nine, and I'm like, it's not a special. It doesn't say expire. It's just there. It's just 449. It's there. And like I said, I asked the guy, I'm like, yo, can I get a Titanfall console? He's like, yeah, go ahead. I'm like, oh shit. You know, but at that point, it was just a matter of me not wanting to part with $500. <laughs> that was different, you know, like 449, 449 plus the tax turned into me soul searching and walking the store for an hour. And then I just walked out for the time being. Plus, I was still kind of battling, I was still kind of battling Microsoft over the Xbox Live thing. So I said, Fuck, I can't even take it home and play the shit I want because my life doesn't work. Simple as that. Well, I'm, I'm checking right now. I, I think it is official because I'm on the Best Buy, Best Buy website right now. I'm looking okay. at the console by itself on the Titanfall bundle. Yep. And guess what? It says $449, does not it? No, it says see details in checkout. Oh. So, yeah, you know that game. Is it four forty nine though? Did you put it in the cart? I'm, I'm trying to do it right now. Well, while we're on the subject of Titanfall, uh, you know, Paxies happened this past weekend, and um, they actually unveiled some brand new Titanfall DLC heading your way. It's three new DLC content packs. They're gonna run you nine ninety nine each, but you can buy the Titanfall season pass, of course, for the one time price of twenty five dollars. Uh, you're gonna get three new maps to the frontier including runoff swamplands and war games so definitely if you are a titanfall fan that dlc is heading your way so what's the verdict yeah, i know a little hawaiian girl is flipping her shit about that oh dude well, but, um i had to go all the way to, to check out for this one uh-oh and yes the titanfall bundle is 449 dollars 99 on best buy.com you see that dude do you see that it is a $50 difference yeah. now. The playing field is narrowing, which leads me to what we were going to discuss, which is the MPD numbers. Uh, the PlayStation 4 did outsell Xbox One or any other console in March, making it the hardware leader. Um, according to what it said, it pushed hardware sales 78% from 2013. So it went from 222 million to 395 million. So stick with me for this. Wow. Stick with me for this. Last year, we were what we were at 222 million, 78 percent. And mind you, this is people complaining about the prices of consoles, but it increased 
78%. So why are you complaining when you're driving the machine? You know what I mean? I think infamous fans had a lot to do with it. Well, that's that's the funny thing because five months in, both systems were outperforming their initial sales volumes of both the PS3 and the 360. So that's something to keep in mind. Xbox One shipped 5 million Xbox One consoles with 311,000 sales in March alone. So again, definitely not numbers to laugh at. You know, not to not to. It's like, oh yeah, they sold. They sold uh, 5 million units. On April 16th, you know, Sony announced that uh, PlayStation 4 sold, uh, well, surpassed the 7 million mark. But think about it. It's a difference of 2 million units. Those 2 million people that haven't bought any are playing the Wii U. That's what that is. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like, fuck the bullshit. Donkey Kong on ice. That's what I'm playing. I don't care. And the only thing about the Wii U that I'm mad about right now is that... Well, the battery life, I know, still pisses you off. No, the battery. Remember, I told you I got a new battery. Oh, okay. Nintendo does sell a a better battery now. For some reason, it's not really advertised, and you've got to go to Nintendo.com to get it. Right. It's about $30, $40, but shit, it's worth it. Okay. And the only thing I'm mad about right now is that, especially with that, you know, with the the tablet, can't get WWE Network on the on the Wii U, which is ridiculous because with all the kids that but play then that, you also can't get it on the Xbox One. Well, the Xbox One uh, WWE Network announcement is supposed to be happening allegedly at E3, so that that will be short lived. <laughs> yeah, but by then it can also be on the Wii U. Shit, by then it can be on, you know, the the Amazon Fire TV, which is going to get it. You know what I mean? Like, like, like that, that at that point, and I agree, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, look, we have the WWE Network. It's like, great, thanks. Welcome to the party. I can watch it on my phone, in my bathroom, in the kitchen, on my laptop, at work, when I shouldn't be, when I should be working, you know? Exactly. Well, it's here's... like I posted on Facebook the other day, I think it was Saturday, I was like, it's nothing like waking up at yep. six o'clock in the morning. I saw that. Picking up my phone and watching freaking Ricky Steamboat beat the shit out of Macho Man. There you go. Well, when we when you were talking about uh, Infamous being a large part of the uh, the MPD numbers, there's a couple of shocking things I gotta I gotta break down for you. First of all, Titanfall was the top selling game of the month. Period. That's not shocking. <laughs> and you know this it's the second highest selling game for xbox one after one month on the market number two was infamous second son number three was south park stick of truth call of duty ghosts was number four dark Souls and dark souls 2 was number five now on the pc diablo 3 reaper of souls sold the most unit to dollar based uh, uh sold the most in ratio of units to dollars so the reason I'm I'm sharing this with you is because software sales declined 27%. See that? So all that and sales numbers for software were still low. Crazy. Well, and the kicker was... One thing I wanted to say about that after you mentioned South Park, he's like, um, Ubisoft, I'm, I'm happy and mad. Could you, like, stop taking my lunch money this year? Why is that? They have, like, all the good games coming out this year. South Park, Ubisoft, 
Later this month, Child of Light is Ubisoft. Right. Next month, Watch Dogs is Ubisoft. Correct. Then, you know, like I said, the game that's looking to, to unseat burnout as the arcade racing game, the crew is Ubisoft. True. It's 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 definitely crazy, but you know, like I said, you know, Titanfall Titanfall came out of the gate and it it succeeded in doing what Microsoft wanted, which was it was pretty to look at. You you kill shit, and it sells consoles. Did it sell as many as it wanted them to? No, but it succeeded in delivering us an IP that people can jump in and say, "Yo, this is pretty cool." And that's what I'm saying. But it, it the overall decline was across the board. Year over year sales on every platform declined from March 2013. The You want to know what's crazy? The only console that did not exhibit software decline was the PS Vita, which saw sales grow due to the release of Final Fantasy X and X-2's uh, HD remaster. And the fact that it seems now that just about every PS4 game that comes out Things that have crossplay. This is true. So see, it's a but but the even fun- the multi console one because I just noticed today, Amazing Spider Man Two will have crossplay with Vita. Well, you know what's funny about Amazing Spider Man Two? It looks like it may not be making it to Xbox One. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Try the fruit. I don't know, man. I read it. I read it on. I read it on. On Reddit. It's funny. I read it on Reddit uh, earlier before the show started. I wanted to to mention it to you because I know you've been wanting to play it. And I was like, damn, not making it to the next gen console. Hmm. Not good. Well, it's definitely making it to the PS4 because that shit is plastered all over the PS4. Yes, absolutely. You see Spider-Man everywhere. Well, here's here's the thing. Going the end game. Going through the uh, the remaining um, MPD titles, uh, Metal Gear Solid Five Ground Zeroes was number six. Uh, NBA Two K Fourteen was number seven. I can't believe people are still playing that, which is crazy. Still buying it brand new, as a matter of fact. Uh, Final Fantasy X, you know, remaster for PS Three and PS Vita was number eight. The Lego Movie Game was number nine, and Minecraft on the Three Sixty was ten. You hear this? Minecraft, which has been out for God knows how long, still in the top ten on the MPDs. Still in the top ten, crazy. And it, it's not even that it's been out forever. It's been out forever, you know, on PC, and now people are going crazy playing a gimped version on the 360. That's correct. Well, you know, the 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 last bit of a uh, gaming news I I did say last week, and you know, I wanted to bring a little tech into it. I wanted to because it ties into gaming a bit. Um, Amazon's Fire TV, of course, is starting to get you know gaming capabilities, and it's going to be. Uh, something that's going to make gaming easily accessible for everybody else. And I mentioned this before and nobody's really giving it the credit it deserves, but I do see this as a changing of the, of the guard, not only for, for set top boxes, but just for the providers of set top boxes, because it's, it's turning into being able to offer games like flappy bird or words with friends or quiz up or whatever to these small these small set top boxes and it's going to just ha- allow people to kill time. Oh, hold on a second. I see that the uh the blog talk radio call dropped out. Hold on a second. Don't hang up, slick. 
since it appears you're calling back into a live show, we are reconnecting you now. Slug, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Clear, clearly, I gotta, clearly we're going we're gonna to take it home with uh, this week's entertainment news because something, something's not playing nice. But as, as we were saying before we got cut off, um, you know, the Amazon Fire TV is looking to, to really probably be the machine that's going to lead the charge for, you know, companies like Apple and Google to really start doing more for, for the home marketplace and kind of eating away at the console market. And people don't see that, but it's, it's going to happen gradually. You know, you put, you pick up this Amazon Fire TV for a hundred bucks and say you want to play some games. Oh, buy the controller for 30 bucks, 40 bucks. That's what you pay anyway for a console controller. So we're not going, we're not going into territory that's unfamiliar. You know, and people, if they want to play, like I said, Flappy Bird or Angry Birds, you know, anything like that, anything, anything small and easily accessible, it, it it's going to make an impact. It may not be a huge impact, but it is going to be a noticeable impact, you know? Well, so it lets you play the games on the Amazon store. I mean, that's a huge dent right there. Well, what's happening is a lot of vendors are already starting to code for it. Like you know, if you if you went and you picked it. Easy money. if you went and you picked up a set top box like that, say it say for your mom, for instance, and you know she plays she plays her fair share of mobile games. It's a solid investment, you know, because she could watch Netflix or if you have Amazon Prime, she could watch whatever programming she wants there. Plus, you play whatever games. You know what it is? It's not it's not going after that hardcore Titanfall by the system the five hundred dollar system on the first day. It's going after. You know, the, the, the mom and dads or, or, or the parents that have like young kids. Hey, you want to play a game, but I don't want to buy you a Wii U or, or, or $500 Xbox here. Play a couple games on this. Play this flappy bird. That's it. Play this flappy bird for a few minutes and shut up. <laughs> but on, on the flip side, on, I... go ahead. Good. Nope. Go ahead. You're good. Tech news too, but. No, what I was going to say is that on the flip side, you know, for for every for every advancement that we're seeing on the on the software side where we're trying to become more connected, we're starting to see more hardware that's making people that that's pretty much trying to turn everybody into a cyborg like this past week. You know, Google opened up uh, their purchase of glass. So you were able to buy Google Glass if you happen to have fifteen hundred dollars laying around. But think about it. The fact yeah. that they sold they sold their inventory, dude. Their inventory got cleared out in a day at fifteen hundred. You see the you see you see what I'm saying though. Fifteen hundred dollars to be a, a you know a walking cyborg and to have yeah, well, because well people want to be able to you know get that upskirt or walk around following this chick with her ass shaking and and record it for for spankage later. Well, no, they, they disabled, I believe they disabled the recording feature, but here's the funny thing. I, all I thought of was, uh, you know, the gag that, that you've talked about with the scouters, like the Dragon Ball Z scouters. And, you know, you're, you're basically walking around with a scouter on. Pretty much. You know, and, and the crazy thing about it is that they're trying to allow people to get messages and all this stuff. So you, so you could be driving and it could just come up like over the glass. Like it's, it's, crazy stuff dude crazy stuff you know and then i i went to see the um the galaxy gear uh well the galaxy neo uh smartwatch and i said to myself 
years ago, we used to make fun of the kid that had the calculator on his watch. Now we want our watches to tell us our heart rate, how many emails we got, if we missed any calls. Hell, you'd be able to answer a call like Michael Knight and Knight Rider. Pretty much. So, and, and that kid with the calculator watch probably has some stake in making a galaxy gear. I wouldn't even doubt that right now. Well, that's the thing, dude. I went to see it and it's like, you know, you're paying $200. The watch tells you your heart rate, all this stuff. I was tempted on getting one because I realized from a usability standpoint, it has a function, but it's still 200 bucks. But, but what I did want to get into is the fact that before you know it, you're going to be probably able to be able to play small games on these watches too. Uh, I see that as a wall. That screen is really small for that. Plus, there's, you know, there's no way to really control it yet. But yet. But remember, well, you remember that re- well, remember the super tiny Game Boy that they had? True. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I'm shocked you haven't been, you haven't that been tempted. Really I'm shocked you haven't been tempted to want to pick one of those up. Uh, um, it's just as tempting as when we went to the unveiling for the Note 3. But like you said, no, not for 200 or $300. Yeah, the, 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 the get- something that, you know, especially if you own the note, give that to me for $50. Well, the gear fit, the gear fit and the gear Neo are $199, but I feel you get more value with the Neo because, you know, it's, it's more, it's more watch, it's more watch than fitness band because honestly, I don't need a fitness band to tell me all that shit, you know, like, like I want to get it. What's called, uh, this company Jawbone does a band. It's called the Up 24. I want to get that just because I want to monitor my sleeping. And that's all. I, I want to monitor my sleeping, and it has a built-in silent alarm. That's it. Yeah, these things, at most, I would spend maybe $100 for. Yep. Not two. No, nah, it makes sense. All right, anything else you want to add, my friend? Yeah, um, two things on the, the Sony, and like I said, one of them is tech. Uh... <clears throat> Like I had mentioned, uh, well, not mentioned, but when I did the review for for Second Son, Infamous Second Son, I, you know, I didn't give it the greatest review, despite my being a huge Infamous fan. Right. There's some issues with the story and somewhat with the controls, but Sucker Punch, they, they, they pay attention. And Sony pays attention, too, because they're giving you a lot of, you know, replay value with this game. They not only have still have DLC coming out for free for the next couple of weeks, they recently, like, I, I just got it when I turned on my, my PS4 earlier, they added a photo mode to Second Son. Yeah, I read about that like, um, earlier can, tonight. Yeah, you can custom make, like, screenshots now. And not only that, Sony realizes that, you know, one of the things they really bragged about when the PS4 was coming coming out was the ability to share video, and they realized that the feature really fucking sucks. (laughs) Because you hit the share button, and it just randomly sends 15 minutes of whatever the fuck you just did to, to YouTube. That's right. And it's like, Okay, I, I kind of played shitty for about five of those minutes. I don't want to send that. <laughs> so, 
their update, their, their 1.70 uh, firmware update is going to give a, a new feature called Share Factory, which is a very competent video editor. Nice. Very cool. So it, 90 seconds. That's going to let you take that 15 minutes of video, cut it down to, you know, maybe two minutes of the actual nice gameplay that you had amongst that shitty 15 minutes and upload that any way you want because you can, you know, cut in video, add music, add transitions, add graphics, all kinds of stuff. I, I think it might even let you, like, you know, take video from one game and slice it into video seconds. from another game. I'm not 100% on all the features there because the update hasn't come out as yet. Right. But there's something else that's coming with that firmware update. Remember I told you that I had to get that device from Model Price so I could use my, my um, live game portable to record off the PS4? Well, before, before you say that, um, I just want to let people know that are listening on the Blog Talk radio feed that that feed will be going offline within the next 10 seconds. You can continue listening live via the Mixler feed or via mtrlive.com, which will continue streaming video and audio. You can get the archive of the show via iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio later on this weekend. 10 seconds. There you go. Go ahead, it's like, right. Yep, you're good. Um... It's a good thing I waited because I'd have been pissed. Yes, sir. That 1.7 update will allow PlayStation 4 users to disable HDCP for purposes of recording gameplay. That's awesome. They should release that update for PS3, too, and let you do it through HDMI. Yeah, but, I mean, they probably don't do that just because they still have that old PlayStation port on it. But it would be nice if they did that because... You know, hooking up through that actually slows down the boot of the PS3. Mm, interesting. The um, well, not really the boot, but it. It, it has the, to recognize um, the display. From, yeah, for for it to come on, because for you to get the picture, in my case anyway, the the live game of portable has to actually power up before I get picture. Ah, I see. So the picture is running to the TV through the live game of portable. Gotcha. So you get a slight delay. But that, that's definitely going to be awesome, yeah. Being able to turn off the HDCP. I'm sure they probably said it where you can only turn off the HDCP for games. Either for a certain period of time or only when you're playing games. Right. I doubt they're going to let you do it when you do video because that would be idiotic. Yep, that would be a problem. Oh, there you have it. Sony is going hard to... Not so much, I mean, yes, to get your money, but to make sure that you spend your money with them versus uh, anybody else. Because I can see that. Even games that aren't, you know, specifically, specifically with them, all the deals are coming from them because, like, you know, take again one of the games, two of the games I'm waiting for, you know, um, Amazing Spider-Man 2. You said it might not even come to Xbox One, which right. I have to look into that. That's crazy. But they're, they're, um, if you pre-order it on the PS4, probably on the PS3 as well, you get a, at least one bonus suit because, you know, a game always has all the, the different suits. And in this game, unlike the last one, 
the suits actually do give you different powers. So it's going back to like the the very first Spider-Man game on PS1. Right. And the Child of Light, if you pre-order that, you get a um, you get a bonus character, which is a you know big ass rock golem. You don't get that if you get it on on 360 or Xbox One. Huh. You don't get shit. Interesting. They only get a pre-order bonus on Child of Light if you pre-order it for PlayStation 3 or 4 or for PC. I forgot what the PC bonus is, but it's, you know, it's extra content and you get nothing if you pre-order it for 360 or Xbox One. Hmm. Makes sense. Well, I think, I think, I I think so. Things are looking very good. No, I was going to say it's exactly that. Things things with regards to Sony consoles are definitely looking uh, substantially more promising. Not only that, but they're giving gamers all the stuff they want. They're actually listening, which is a shocker. And the shocker is that, at least for the moment, it seems like Microsoft is not. Yep. Microsoft is playing the Sony role this time. The roles have been reversed. So this will definitely be something to keep our eyes on. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, if I get the Xbox One, then we'll have the one-two punch, because you'll have the PS4 and I'll have the one at least. Yeah, man. There you go. Anything else you want to add, my friend? No, I'm good for now. All right, dude. As always, I appreciate it. Thanks for the assist. Peace. Peace. All right, so that wraps up uh, this week's gaming segment. Let's get into some entertainment news and take it home, because there's a lot of editing that's got to get done tonight. All right, let's get to it. So I would, I didn't think for a million years that I would open up a show and the first thing I'd want to talk about is Flash Gordon. Now you're probably asking yourself, why is Rich talking about Flash Gordon? Is he talking about a new Flash Gordon TV show? Nope. Get this. And it's, it, it, it's crazy as crazy can be, but Flash Gordon is possibly coming back to the big screen. If you remember, they did a, a short-lived sci-fi TV series in 2008 which was pretty solid, but it looks like we will be seeing a brand new Flash Gordon heading to the silver screen. It looks like the crew that worked on Star Trek is looking to bring Flash Gordon to the silver screen. It's it's interesting because the crew that's being involved, you know, their relationship with, uh, you know, J.J. Abrams and Star Trek is something that can definitely pay off and and really make a solid Flash Gordon remake. Now, personally, nothing beats the original Flash Gordon. There's so much uh, campiness and so much great stuff that you can reference from that between the awesome soundtrack from Queen and, you know, just just all the crazy acting. Uh, obviously, the always awesome Max von Sydow and, of course, Sam Jones as Gordon, which if you've watched Ted, you know that there's a lot of great Flash Gordon references there. I'm curious to see what direction they want to go. And I mean, the Flash Gordon character has a lot of mythology in it. But the problem is you risk going into territory much like John Carter from outer space, uh, John Carter and, uh, you know, John Carter and Mars, because John Carter gets a lot of negative press, but it was a surprisingly solid movie. Uh, Slick knows that he's Slick is probably smiling from ear to ear because 
you know, it was not a movie that was on my radar. I didn't want to see it, but I ended up watching it on cable one night and I was pleasantly surprised that I actually enjoyed it. Now, obviously, everybody's opinions are going to differ, but the reason that I'm citing that is because Flash Gordon is a character that if it's not executed correctly, can definitely fall into John Carter territory. Will that happen? I can't say that for 100% certain, but I will say, you know, I can't say that with 100% certainty, but I will say that Flash Gordon is a very interesting property because if it's done right, you can create an entire franchise of Flash Gordon movies for a brand new audience. Again, as the story develops, I will make sure to share the details with you guys. Now, for every Flash Gordon remake that sounds promising, we are stuck with a Friday the 13th reboot. Now, obviously, Friday the 13th has been uh, has already received the reboot treatment once, and it really was not that good. Well, it looks like they're going to try their hand at rebooting it again, this time utilizing the found footage genre that's been used so much in previous horror films. I mean, you know, Paranormal Activity is the first one that we can cite for that. Um, I did talk about this a while back, but it looks like now it's really starting to take shape and they're actually going to use legitimate horror directors. Uh, they're getting the um, David Bruckner, who directed the Amateur Night segment from the original VHS horror movie. He also did uh, 2007 The Signal, and uh, he will be directing the brand new Friday the 13th reboot. Now, again, the found footage genre, considering how cheap they are to, to, to produce, it's, it's very easy for it to go in that direction. The problem with that is, like anything else, if the story is piss poor and the Jason that's, the, you know, the actor that's utilized for Jason isn't imposing or isn't very scary, you're not going to get the same success that you've had with previous Friday the 13th films. But on the flip side, you got to ask yourself, are the Friday the 13th films really that good to begin with? Now, obviously, as a horror fan, for me, they're always great. There's campiness, there's nudity. There's over-the-top violence. So for me, as a horror fan, you know, I'm never going to say anything super negative about it because I enjoyed the series. But for, for those that are more not that are more dedicated into the horror genre and really have a thing for great storytelling or, you know, engaging characters, Friday the 13th definitely is a film that they will always frown upon. So considering that you want to go this route with found footage, you know, it may bite you in the ass. But if you only spend a you know, a couple of million to get it done and it's nothing too over the top. Even if you break even, it'll be easier to churn that out than to try and do a movie that requires immense special effects and people not get into it. We already know that that has happened before. Now, last week we made some jokes about Magic Mike Double XL. Well, it looks like Magic Mike 2 is a go and you will be seeing it in theaters July 3rd, 2015. Of course, Channing Tatum and all the usual suspects will be reprising their roles. But during the during the statement about Magic Mike 2, uh, C. Tates himself decided to share a little bit of wisdom with regards to, um, well, not wisdom, but insight into the possibility of him portraying Gambit in a Gambit solo film. Now, we've talked about this before, and I've talked about this at length, that there's a lot of X-Men characters that have really deep stories, but I've never found Gambit's character to be a character that particularly had a deep, deep story. On the contrary, his story was pretty, eh, you know, he, it, it, they fleshed it out a lot in the comics and they expanded on a lot of really deep, uh, deep origins for his character. But I just don't feel he's a character that warrants a solo film. When you look at the long list of X-Men characters, there's so many 
uh, X-Men heroes and villains that you could do solo films for that, excuse me, that you don't even, that Gambit is definitely not even in my top five. Cyclops and, and Havoc, you know, telling the stories of bro- of them as brothers and, you know, the Star Jammers because obviously Corsair is their father. You know, there's a deeper story there. Not to say that I want to sit through an entire Cyclops movie, but at least there's a deeper there's a deeper story for that character. That's all I'm saying. But we shall see how it unfolds. But Channing Tatum definitely wants to try his hand at throwing some glowing playing cards. Will he get his chance? We'll see what happens after Days of the Future Past and where the X-Men stories go from there. In some other sequel news, we got to talk a little bit about Transformers Age of Extinction, which Michael Bay did confirm is going to be the start of a brand new trilogy. So obviously the Shia LaBeouf trilogy with Megan Fox was one, and this new Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch uh, Transformers trilogy will start with Age of Extinction. Now, the Transformers universe, I always feel, stands on its own two feet uh, separate. Well, the film universe stands on its own two feet separate from the cartoon and the comics. So for me, if you're going to do a, a, a new trilogy, it's just going to stand on its own. I really, I, I'm not going to utilize too much comparison. And this is something Slick and I have talked about on lay, at length with regards to, you know, the, the Transformers film series being, you know, deviating so far away from the source material. But what I've decided to do is just um, embrace that particular genre, you know, that particular story as its own separate entity. It's just big screen transformers versus small screen transformers. It's not going to be something that's going to match. It's not something that's going to be cohesive. It's just going to be something that's going to borrow elements from the source material. Simple as that. Now, of course, it's it's a Marvel summer this summer. Of course, we already got through, you know, Thor the Dark World, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. We got Spidey in May. Well, we got Guardians of the Galaxy in August. Now, the funny thing is that the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, James Gunn, confirmed that Guardians of the Galaxy will tie into Avengers 3. Um, he did confirm that Thanos will be motion captured and animated much like Rocket Raccoon. And he said that um, Thanos' involvement in the story is that he will be the head of the snake, so to speak. So, of course, Avengers 3 will debut after the third series of films. And as of right now, the only third series of film, the only third series films we know is Ant-Man and Captain America 3. But all signs are pointing to Thanos possibly heading to Earth to collect the missing stones to put together the Infinity Gauntlet. Now, you already know that the Infinity Gauntlet does exist in the cinematic universe because it was in Odin's vault in Thor. Not only that, but we we are starting to see references to it throughout some of the other films. So the the odds are the odds that Thanos will be a you know a big force in say you know Avengers three is is something that is not a shock to me but it's very cool to see that James Gunn definitely is starting to acknowledge that and he's starting to give people little nuggets of information that are definitely going to be useful now Slick sent me a picture that says that the eight films for stay for Phase three are Ant Man. Guardians of the Galaxy, War of Kings, Captain America, The Fallen Sun, Thor, Ragnarok, Doctor Strange, Defenders, The Indestructible Hulk, and Black Panther. Now, you know, obviously this is all subject to change, but if they go this route, I can definitely see see it tying into 
Avengers 3, obviously, Black Panther being a member of the Avengers. The Defenders films, I know are, the Defenders film is definitely going to take place after the uh, series that they have on Netflix with Iron Fist and um, Luke Cage and Daredevil and those guys. So I think we're going to see that tie into the Netflix series and whether that all translates into just Phase 3 or into, you know, maybe Phase 3 and the beginnings of Phase 4 remains to be seen. But definitely props to Slick for sharing that. I would like to see a Black Panther movie. I think that you need to share that aspect of the Marvel Universe with everybody. You know, the, the Wakanda, the Savage Land. You want to kind of share that stuff because there's so much more you can add to the stories with those characters. Hopefully that, you know, this that what Handle would handle sent me is legit and that's what we have to look forward to in phase three obviously as this develops i will keep an eye on it and share it with you guys all right so let's talk box office totals of course big shocker captain america was number one at the box office earning another 41.4 million dollars bringing its total to 159 million dollars rio 2 came in in second place oculus which was a festering pile of shit was number three now, you're probably saying, Rich, why are you shitting on Oculus? Uh, it's a WWE film. You should be you should be pushing it and pumping it up like it's the greatest thing ever. It is not. If you want more details as to why, make sure to check out my review on MyTakeRadio.com so you can get an understanding as to why I thought Oculus was a festering pile of shit. Um, number four was Draft Day. Number five was Divergent. Number six was Noah. Number seven was God's Not Dead. Number eight was the Grand Budapest Hotel. Number nine was Muppets Most Wanted. And number 10 was Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Now, the next bit of news, you can take this as what the fuck movie news, rumors, however the case may be. Uh, A group of guys that I like to follow are the guys from Latino Review. They usually put out a lot of rumors that most most of the time they pan out like they did share Bradley Cooper being Rocket Raccoon. But this particular rumor Uh, from El Majimbe was very interesting because he said, and I quote, that 20th Century Fox is meeting with writers for the next Die Hard and that they're actually taking pitches that will see the return of Samuel L. Jackson's Zeus Carver character. Now, if you remember in um, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Samuel L. Jackson's character Zeus and John McClane had a really, really great relationship and they also had tremendous chemistry on screen. Plus, who doesn't love Samuel L. Jackson? Sam Jackson is is the man, and not for nothing, I think that he worked very well with Bruce Willis. So, and considering that how 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 high demand he's because you know how much in high demand he is because of his work with Marvel, I wouldn't be shocked if they even do that and they decide to bring uh you know Sam Jackson into uh, the Die Hard universe once again. I would not be shocked, honestly. I really felt that Die Hard with a Vengeance was probably my favorite of the series. Obviously, the first being the first but i really did feel die hard with a vengeance took it to a whole other level uh between the storytelling and jeremy irons was amazing i really i really felt die hard with a vengeance deserves a follow-up and to reunite bruce willis and sam jackson is definitely magic on screen whether that's the case again take it with a grain of salt and if we learn more i will share it with you guys now I figured it would be it would be apropos to close out with some real what the fuck movie news and this involves a film that came out in 1993. I'm sure that Slick is going to hear this and he's probably going to want to lose his mind. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter 
uh, says that Fox is looking to do a sequel to Mrs. Doubtfire. I kid you not. The original film was based on the 1987 and fine novel Madam Doubtfire, and of course the story followed Daniel Hillard, played by Robin Williams, who disguises himself as an elderly nanny to allow himself to secretly spend time with his children. Mrs. Doubtfire made $440 million. There have been numerous attempts to get a sequel for the film in the past, but they have been unsuccessful. But it looks like it may actually happen, and Robin Williams and the original director, Chris Columbus, are both attached to return for the sequel. Slick writes in the chat, and I quote, get the fuck out of her. (laughs) But yes, ladies and gents, the possibility of a Mrs. Doubtfire sequel is there. Take notes. 1993 was when it came out. Just saying. Anyway, with that, we are going to wrap up this week's show. I just want to take a moment and remind you guys uh, that Danny DeMonto will be wrestling this weekend in Jersey. If you are a listener that is in New Jersey and it, and it wants to check him out, you can go to 2491 Old Hooper Avenue, Brick, New Jersey. Uh, he will be squaring off against ECW alumni Tommy Dreamer, who will be managed by Terry Funk. Tickets are $21 for adults. For kids, they are $19. The bell time is 745. Doors open an hour earlier at 645. You can get details for that at jerseychampionshipwrestling.com. Of course, any other details, you will be able to find them in the show notes. All right, so let's take it home. First of all, you've just heard My Take Radio, episode 224, 225 next week, folks, for Thursday, January 17th, 2014. Oh, I said January, excuse me. Uh, Thursday, April 17th, 2014. That's... That's cute. That's the cue to end the show, folks. Anyway, if you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. Also, we are looking for more writers for comics, MMA, and uh, gaming. And so if you are somebody who's interested in writing for a website and is passionate about comics, gaming, or MMA, drop me a line, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. Dot com. You can also find us on Twitter at My Take Radio. Become a fan on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash My Take Radio. Also, you can always watch shows on YouTube. It's uh, youtube.com forward slash My Take Radio TV. Last but not least, you can follow our boards on Pinterest and add us to your circles on Google+. But if you want the best My Take Radio experience, pick up the official My Take Radio app available for Android, iOS, and Windows devices. For Android, the Amazon Android Marketplace is where you're going to want to go. It's $1.99 there. You can also find it on iTunes for iOS devices and, of course, in the Windows Mobile Store for Windows devices. Uh, this $1.99 app gets you 96K stereo episodes of the show, mobile wallpapers, plus exclusive content that we release on the app, including exclusive interviews and other cool bonuses and perks as well. Again, it's cheaper than a cup of coffee, and you can get it for any mobile device. Last but not least, you can listen to archive shows, either watching them live on GFQ, gfqlive.tv, mtrlive.com, or you can get the audio versions on Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Zoom Marketplace, and of course, you can watch video reruns on YouTube. Like I said, 
youtube.com forward slash might take radio TV. I will catch you guys next week. Thank you all for listening. Shout out to Danny DeMonto for coming through. And next week we have my take radio two twenty five. Now the question is what music is going to take us out this week? I think this week we are going to go out with, we've had such, such, such great stuff from OC remix. It would be a travesty to not share some OC remix music this week. So I figure we're going to go out with Bowser is champion from BXM music. And you can find that at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C remix.org. Thanks for watching. Catch you guys next week.